0: Who cares what they look like? I do. Our home isn't just our house, it's everything around us. Give me a fucking break. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I live in this world, you live in a psychobunker where 9-11 was an inside job and, and the government are all Nazis. The government are all Nazis! Well, yeah, now,
1: but not then.
2: Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. Bros, breakdowns, reviews, and other shit. My name is Bobby, I'm your host. With me is my brother, my best friend, my purpose, Brandon. Brandon, you wanna say what's up?
0: What's up? What's up, Scott? What's up, Angel? Reads hopefully, if you ever get around to it faster.
2: Yeah, yeah, if you're listening, you're probably a friend or a family member. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. Today's Mathematics is the latest episode of the hbo series the last of us titled long long time written by craig mazin directed by peter Hoare. peter Hoare, bro you ever hear about him before this no yeah so neither had i uh so i looked into him a little bit he's directed a bunch of those netflix joints so daredevil directed a, b- a couple of daredevil episodes umbrella academy uh altered carbon I never saw those two umbrella Academy or altered carbon. I know umbrella Academy had like a kind of a cult following altered carbon had some, some good talent attached to it, Joel Kinnaman and Anthony Mackie, but I never got around to checking, checking it out. Um, do you, do you know anything about umbrella Academy? You know, anyone who tunes into that one? I hear it's pretty, pretty good. Our boy from, um, um, misfits was on that, right? Yeah. Um, I hear good things. Yeah, Here's I mean pretty... most of
0: the, most of the people like we talk about on YouTube, they're pretty into it. Yeah, like, and, the... like Double Toasted has talked about it before. They say it's pretty good. Yeah, mo- that's um... one I always forget about. I should, we should check it out.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not Marvel, right? No, no.
0: It is a comic. Or a, comic. A, or a graphic novel, one or the other. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's DC or Marvel affiliated. It's probably yeah. not.
2: The biggest star attached to that is probably Elliot Page. Yeah. Right. Um but most notably, he's, he directed a uh, an HBO miniseries called It's a Sin. And it's a it's, it's like a yeah, like I said, an HBO miniseries chronicling the lives of four queer friends during a decade in which everything changed, including the rise of AIDS. So this, this, I never heard of this series before, but it, uh, he won Best Director, uh, Best Director BAFTA for it. So for those who don't know what the BAFTA is, it's the. British Academy of Film and Television Arts, it's basically like the equivalent to our Oscars, but they instead they cover film and TV. So, BAFTAs is a pretty big deal. He won the best director for that. And he directed, like I said, he directed all five episodes. And I hear that's pretty, really, like, I heard it's really good. Um, So, yeah, not a guy I heard a lot about, but has some... Um, good titles under his, and his credits, so, yeah, he, this is the first episode not directed by Mazin or Druckman. so as soon as I saw his name in the opening credits, I was like, huh, like, I kind of wanted to look him up right then, but, um, I figured I'd just wait, um, but, yeah, it was a really well-directed episode, um, overall, like, the, I'll just want to talk about, like, the response to it, and then we could get into our, like, our overall impressions, um. You still on Twitter, bro? I know you go on a little bit, but Twitter was buzzing Sunday night about this. Like, everything on my TL was uh, nothing but like unanimous praise Um, from critics, like, you know, notable critics, like, um, like, yeah, like Dave Chen and all those fools that I follow. And then just people ran, you know, random people were just talking about how brilliant this episode was. We should mention again, we mentioned in other episodes that when cast and crew or creators of the show were asked about you know which of their favorite at which was one of their favorite episodes or what episode are they most excited for the fans to see they all pointed to episode three um it wasn't for a reason i uh, like uh it wasn't for the reasons i thought it would be like one of a hyped episodes but you know it's one that um i know bella ramsey and pedro pascal kind of hinted at and referenced to multiple times in different interviews you, you heard the same thing right
0: yeah and to answer your twitter question i mean yeah i yeah, am but For much longer, like that two timeline thing, I think they just rolled that out this week. That shit is terrible. I I barely even noticed it because I have dark mode, so like I don't know, maybe light mode I would have noticed it, but I'm on dark mode. And someone tweeted about it, and I was like, "What are they talking about?" And I looked up, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? This is dumb, dude."
2: Yeah, a a lot of people complaining about that. I don't even know how. I don't even get how it works. So it's
0: basically like, I mean, the timeline I had already had. The regular timeline already had a bunch of, like, tweets of people you weren't following, but Mm, now it's, like, it's, it basically loads you into that whole timeline of people you don't follow, basically, and then you could choose the timeline of of the people that you do follow, but, I mean, I don't know. I hate it. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's terrible. Ever since Elon took over, it's going downhill. And all the blue
2: check marks, like, everyone has one. Yeah. It's like,
0: what? It's confusing, like. And then the rollout in of, of the features are just like they're so drastic and yeah, it's really bad. Hopefully somebody comes around. I, I doubt it'll be anytime soon, but eventually, and like fills the void because I can't imagine with the Elon running things, it's gonna get any better. But anyways, um, it says that the score is seven point nine. Really, it's that low now?
2: Yeah, bro. I don't know if you heard, but the the fans and were review bombing the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get to that next, but. I noticed that before like the article like cuz there's been multiple articles yeah. published about the review bombings but I noticed it like the next day uh, cuz I I I go I, you know you and I both check out IMDb a lot I like to look at the trivia and just the ratings and the other crap and the, you know who's involved in creating the show and, and I noticed right away that it had like a 8.3 like on Sunday night or Monday morning you know relative to other episodes uh, the premiere had 9.2 and then and then the second episode had 9.3 so this was like a pretty steep drop from the f- ratings of the first two, and I was like oh, i'm sure that had to do with with uh you know the, the the content of this one or whatever yeah and then- and then I think earlier in the midweek, a bunch of people started publishing articles about it being review bombed from angry gamers, so around thirty four thousand out of the hundred and twenty thousand total reviews right now are one star um and sixty three thousand of those are are uh ten out of ten um and then published i mean uh gamers and people or defectors took to twitter and other and other public forums to kind of voice their dissent of the episode saying that it was catering to the woke agenda of uh, yeah. of America and uh, just deviating from the game completely uh, not only that but they were they tried to like um i think so, sometimes when people don't have a don't want to straight up say why they don't like something they'll point to other issues with it and kind of cover their cover their ass a bit and then people were saying that it didn't push the plot forward and that's why they didn't like it and all that um but yeah it's, it got it got kind of review bombed or um um from like game, yeah mainly from gamers and people who just don't appreciate didn't appreciate that i guess the the gate the gayness of it <laughs> <laughs> the um,
0: agenda of it um no like the twitter I, I don't know like i feel like with these sunday night shows it's like it's a regurgitating thing like every now for like every interesting tweet or take i see on the show i see like 30 of essentially the same one with not really any context and meet like you know half-baked memes or i mean some of them are funny don't get me wrong but i feel like with most shows it's like it's kind of fallen into like a cycle like you've it, it doesn't even matter what show it is. There's always, like, like the Twitter response of it. For, like, big shows, I mean. And, and it's funny. Like, one that popped in my head recently, I was like... Like, I'm almost dreading it. Because I remember, like, when Euphoria was on. Mm. Like, the Twitter response for that, that was just so annoying, dude. I like, go
2: ahead, You weren't a fan. That was, like... That was one of my favorite parts Like, of- like the memes and stuff, they're yeah, funny. But, like, yeah. when
0: people try and like validate or like um
2: reach a little bit
0: not reach but like they they kind of put certain characters on a pedestal or like they shoot down certain characters for like crappy reasons or like they commend certain characters for like oh yeah like like what she did was right or like like when they i guess when they kind of take it like too seriously is all i'm trying to say like for that show i'm like dude like we're not White Lotus. But but I I guess it, it's it's clever with that show in particular because it's about teenagers and you know a lot of those stories people can't help but place themselves in in like like to the back like but either back to a time when they were that age or if they're younger people like that obviously re- resonates with them a lot more. So I guess with that show people just can't help it. Mm. But um I guess what I'm trying to say is like yeah, I mean some of the memes and stuff are are fun to look at, but uh, generally speaking, at least on my timeline, with my terrible Elon algorithm, I don't really see too many interesting things. To be honest, ah, oh, most of the time I just have to search for them, or I'll just yeah. press the just hit the hashtag. Yeah, I'll just press the hashtag. You know. Yeah, I I've been recently following a lot of people that you follow. Like I'll see someone retweet or like a like a journalist or something. I see you follow them, and then I'll, I'll usually follow them back
2: no yeah that's one of or my I'll favorite follow them back off all of them too yeah that's one of my favorite parts of like sunday night viewing is going on twitter afterward like for yeah. for like you said euphoria house of the dragon uh leslie jones would do these really fun like uh, little reaction videos really funny um where she would be like filming her tv and then like talking in real time in response to what was happening and that shit was funny there's a couple of really funny ones when she was watching house of the dragon and then uh, White Lotus was really fun to check into. People would always have funny memes and things to yeah, say Yeah, those about those White ones Lotus. were good. I liked those ones. Euphoria.
0: I feel like those ones weren't as common though. Like even though like Euphoria had a good viewership audience. Well, Euphoria
2: is a more serious show, so people are going to talk about it in more serious terms and like Yeah. And and the subject matter that that they're tackling are is much serious much more serious. So people yeah, they, they people are really personal about that show for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like White Lotus probably has a, a grander audience that doesn't need or doesn't like subscribe to like the whole Twitter trending like and talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. Because it was a big show. I mean, I'm sure Euphoria obviously has a lot more viewership, but people have been talking about this this run of Sunday night shows because what, what were the two or three before this one? Uh, House of the Dragon. White Lotus and House of the White Dragon. White Lotus. Then, or they're talking about the one that's after this, which is going to be Succession. Yeah, too, right? Succession's yeah. coming
2: up. Yeah, I saw a funny tweet. It said, "Someone, uh, let me see if I can find it." It said, "HBO took understanding that people get a little sad on Sunday nights and built that into an empire." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that that's true. Like, uh, there's nothing like nestling into the couch and watching like a really good show every Sunday night, or right before you hit the chaos on Mondays. Yeah, but
0: and I saw like I don't know who said it. I saw one that was like, I mean, stating the obvious, but it was, I did enjoy their sentiment. They're basically saying that HBO didn't waver from their model. You know, it's been like a it's like twenty some years with these really good Sunday night shows, and regardless of Netflix's model coming up, they kind of just stayed the course, and and it's um it's a testament. Like sometimes if it like you know it's a Played out saying, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it because it's it's worked out. And you and I were just speaking the other day, like we do like the week to week model. And mm-hmm. shout out Poker Face. You know, uh,
2: well, they have like a mixed model. You know, a lot of shows do that too. The boys did that. They'll drop like three or four and then do weekly. I like that too. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. um
0: Yeah. Well, well, most of those shows that do that are when they're first coming up because I'm pretty sure yeah. the latest seasons of. The boys have all been one by one, right?
2: No, the, actually, season one and I think season two dropped all at once. And then three, they start. Oh, okay, okay. Week three, they did like the chunk. And then uh, week two. Then to they week. went week to week. Yeah, they did okay, three at okay. three. Um, and then week two. And then Invincible is another good one that, that kind of did. I think they just did week to week, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of week. You have more time to like, think about the episode reflect and actually take in what comes like before you forget, like when you're binging shit, you can't even really remember what happens. You, yeah, you exactly. have less time to take it all in. It's pretty, you know, We don't like, have to go
0: that. The most recently is stranger things. Like I feel like everyone was talking about it for like, like a week I
2: don't and know then, that one. That one had legs, dude. Because people. Yeah,
0: but like yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm talking like at least with like the spoilers and stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. Like if you, if you didn't finish the show within a week, you're gonna see a spoiler, basically. Yeah. But yeah.
2: And well, they were smart about it too by splitting up the season, so that helped keep the conversation going because it was plus it be, plus the fact that it was like a short break, you know, compared to other mid season breaks where it's like four or five months. It was like a one month mid season break. And that gave people enough time to catch up and talk about it. And then once the new season was, or the second half was approaching, that's when people started talking about it again. So that worked out pretty well. It's the first time they've done that. Yeah. Um. And I don't think it was intentional. I think it was because they had reshoots they had to do for COVID and stuff. But
0: yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, generally speaking, people shouldn't shy away from the week to week model, especially if you have a good show. Yeah. You know, if you're smart about it, obviously like that that's, um, pretty creative too if you drop you know because i'm pretty sure poker face what they dropped Mm for and then now it's going to be week to week so that was that was a a clever way of getting everyone on board especially with peacock because peacock lesser known what i've known hasn't really had a show or the show like all these other streaming platforms have like the show like for amazon the show is probably the boys hbo you can name like 10 of them Mm -hmm. um netflix we all know about them but as far as like the ones that don't have the like signify or like the personified show or probably like Peacock, Hulu,
2: um, Hulu, Hulu's Paramount. had a couple of good ones, but nothing like that's hit like the mainstream. Like I think the biggest one I can think of is the dropout. A lot of people were talking about the yeah. dropout.
0: I feel like with Hulu, they're kind of falling under the like the Netflix thing because they have so many shows that it's kind of hard to for them for one to stand out, yeah, and they had some yeah.
2: good shows that they all that dropped all at once, and that and they kind of yeah. sh- takes away from the relevance of of the shows. Be- like the Bear dropped all at once, but that one had legs just because it was had such good lo- uh, word of mouth. Um, another good one was that Amy Schumer show. I can't remember or Life After Beth is yeah. what it's called. That one was a really good one. That one dropped all at once. It came and went. Um, so a lot of these shows just come and go if you drop them all the episodes at once, and it's a shame because they're good shows yeah oh hulu did it with fleischman they had the week to week with fleischman that was dope
0: but the weird thing with hulu is they have that fx on hulu thing so it was on fx it's technically an fx show and it's also a hulu show
2: oh so it was like on cable the fleischman yeah i'm pretty sure it was
0: the fx on hulu thing same thing with atlanta the last two seasons of atlanta i don't know it's confusing The, the streaming every streaming has their own model i guess but I guess what my point is the original just tv week to week model it's it's still HBO. it still has some legs if you have the right support and right talent behind it
2: for sure and hbo like i said like you said hbo didn't kind of follow the trend of the binge model after that took over cuz they kind of um pioneered this appointment viewing with the sopranos and the wire and other shows like 6 feet under uh, that's when it really started. Like Sun, those were all Sunday night shows. They've been doing it for decades.
0: Yeah, and everything comes back in style. So I wouldn't be surprised within the next half decade to a decade.
2: Streamers start like Netflix. Everything kind of
0: just goes back to normal. Yeah, for lack of better words. Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: Sorry. Go ahead. So this episode we got we 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 got introduced to a couple new characters, a couple new actors. We talked about them in the pre the pre hype and the hype show. Uh, Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman were both big fans of. Uh, Murray Bartlett. I was first introduced to him in the White Lo- in the first season of White Lotus. He was like never seen this guy before, and he was stellar in that. Nick Offerman. You know, almost everyone's, uh, you know, at least peripherally peripherally aware of his work on Parks. on stuff like Parks and Rec. Um. So, but we liked him in Debs. We talked about that in the Hype Show. He has really good dramatic chops. He was also in this show that I watched. It's called The Resort on Peacock. Um,
0: We've been known about his. <laughs> dramatic chops
2: yeah for sure um but what was interesting what i what i learned was that the role of bill was initially going to be played by con o'neill uh he previously worked with craig mason on chernobyl i don't know if you know who that is but he's i know who he is through our flag means death he's like one of the main pirates on our flag means death he's hilarious on that but he's he's like the straight man on that and i couldn't i i, I mean i could see it but i couldn't um I, I, you and i were just talking about our flag means death i, I want you to check it out but um, i only
0: know i mean i I remember his character in chernobyl but i didn't know that was him so my main
2: see do you remember i don't remember him in chernobyl it's been so long since i saw that but you didn't
0: i I barely remembered because i saw like a screen cap of his character and i was like oh i remember that he wasn't in it very much Mm. he had a few like good scenes um but my main exposure to him was the batman which he was like it seemed like he was casting in a role where he couldn't really do much with it. <laughs> I remember we were watching it. We we're like, that guy's kind of on ten. Like, he was on another level. Not that he was like a bad actor. It just like his character was like I don't know poorly written. I don't know what it was, but he had like a weird voice in that.
2: Yeah. Well, same yeah. dude from Andor, our boy from Andor, when he showed yeah. up, he was the the first commissioner, right? Yeah. He's like, happy fucking Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I liked him though because he his, he was
0: over at the top. I don't know. But Con O'Neill and the Batman. It was kind of weird. I do remember, like, the scene of him, of Batman, like, towering over him. And he just looks like, he looks so small. It's, it's funny. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: but um, I learned that, that uh, so Offerman was offered the role. He didn't have to, once uh, O'Neill had to drop out, they offered it to Offerman. Um, but Murray had to audition because they were talking about, like, what was it like to hear, They were I saw an interview where they are asking, what was it like to hear that you got this part? And Murray had to audition because it was before, like, White Lotus took over. And Offerman mentioned that because they were interviewed together. And Offerman's like, this was before White Lotus dominated the earth. Because if anyone had seen that already, they, I'm sure that they would have offered it to you. But it's interesting to just, I'm always interested in that stuff. Like, did they get offered? Did they have to audition? And I guess Murray actually had to audition.
0: So White Lotus was 21 or late 21? I didn't see the, the first season.
2: The first season was 2020. It was like, they shot it, like... As soon as the pandemic hit, and then it was released like later on in the year, so like the end they of twenty, 20- end of well a
0: while ago. Then I don't know. Uh,
2: Last of Us, you mean? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably like two years, a year and a half, two years. Um, so I just want to talk about about um those two actors who who just killed it. Um, and the o- overall impressions. I I'll start. Uh, I no- noticed some thoughts. Here, so I wasn't sure how how I'd be able to talk about this episode. You and I talked about this the night after because the way we've been talking about the series up to this point was in a way that that this particular episode didn't really lend itself to. We've been talking about like suspense and horror and action and tension and visuals and all these other things that were heavily featured, especially in that last episode. Like uh, it's like a black and white episode compared to last episode. Another thing we talked about was like the percentage of infected you see in this episode compared to the last is like very different um but this episode was affecting on on a, on a much deeper level um and I and I was struggling to like put it into words and, I, and at one point I, I kind of like stopped trying just because uh I I didn't want to like articulate it you know or like try to intellectualize it um it wasn't until like the next day where I was able to have some space and I was able to sort of define and, and kind of correlate my feelings and thoughts because Like I said, uh, we've been watching the show with like a very specific uh, focus that didn't really, wasn't really tuned to this type of like emotional depth, you know? Um, But yeah, it kind of just forces you to like throw all that analytical intellectualization out the window and kind of just pulls you in and says, no, this isn't a zombie show. This isn't an apocalypse. It is, but it isn't right now. This is about people. It kind of was kind of like a thesis statement on the series, like on what, we can expect from it in the in the future in future episodes you know like where they're gonna put their focus it's not gonna necessarily be all the time on the action there probably will be that but this series cares about people and the relationships and how they move on from this kind of stuff so yeah and uh the the acting was stellar like there was moments where i just didn't feel like i was watching actors act it just felt like i was watching these two people be you know live their lives um what what about you bro what are your what was your overall impression following the show and since since having some time to think about it
0: Well, to make some connections to our last like anal like analyzations of the shows or last couple of episodes of the podcast I have mentioned like I, I was looking forward to them veering from the game material like heavily and you know kind of just doing something all their own so I think that's what made me like enjoy this episode the most the fact that they they really swung for the fences with this one and in the post game in the, the post game the post um show whatever you call it Neil Druckmann was mentioning that this episode is probably like the most deviating or like it deviates the most from the, the actual game story cuz they haven't i mean obviously you know we we talk about the frame for frame like verbatim literally like um dialogue picked up from the game put into the show scenes and we do point out the fact that they when there is some deviation and the fact that he said that and even characters fates from the game being changed in this episode was really nice to see and and i hope the um, the success from this episode encourages them encourages the showrunners to do that even more so in terms of But I guess what I also mentioned last week or whatever episode it was, was uh, like, I hope that they do veer, but also stay true and, and keep our focus and our minds at least recalling uh, Joel and Allie's whole dynamic. And I feel like they have balanced it out well, but this next stretch of episodes will probably hopefully be the time where we are finally like, okay, like how is all this going to connect to Joel and Ally's whole arc? Cause for us that played for the people who've played the game, we already know. So we kind of ha- already have it envisioned in our minds for, but I can imagine for some people watching the show where they're kind of like, okay, like, are we just going to be, you know, going to different characters each episode or, but yeah, like I said, for us that, that have played the game, the way they connected, I know we're skipping ahead here, but the way they connected um, this whole episode back to Joel's whole character arc thus far in these 20 years and and again for us who've played the game we know kind of know where it's going and they talk Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann talked about it after the show how basically kind of explaining and to the viewer why this story was important to tell in the context of what it later means for Joel and Allie's whole um next like their whole adventures ahead basically yeah and i thought that was nice and i almost forgot that we started the episode with them mm-hmm. we started like it wasn't a complete bottle episode because no. people are getting confused about that They're like, oh like i love bottle episodes but this this technically wasn't a bottle episode no. we still had our whole main basically main cast in it and they played a significant role so
2: yeah they kind of bookend the episode yeah um but yeah, well said. I think that this story kind of enriches and, and kind of raises the stakes on Allie and Joel's relationship because it shows Al, it reminds them what's important in a way, you know, and it shows Allie again the way that she saw it last week too on what she, why she's important, what they're fighting for, what's at stake is that there still is, even if she didn't get to witness this whole sprawling love story she saw, I think, like, the way she saw the house, she got, she got, like, the impressions that there was something special here, how could you not, just the way that the house was, and that letter, um, you know, especially the letter, I think, did a lot to kind of reveal to her what, how important she is, you know, like, there's still, this, it's still, wor- life is still worth fighting for if something like this could, if something this special could be shared between these two people, you know, like, I, I think, it kind of did move the plot forward because, like I said, it, it raised the stakes and made things even more important um, than they already were. So, so yeah, I I love that it kind of maintained that through line of, Joel and, of what's at stake for Joel and Allie and kind of enriched it more so than any other part of the series has done so, uh, up to this point. You know, this kind of really strengthened what's at or kind of really solidified what's really at stake here.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like a thematic I again no spoilers, but like essentially like a thematic microcosm of the whole first game and the, the story is is like the perseverance of love and Druckmann has even spoke about this um when the second game was coming around he explained how it 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 differs in in thematic tone greatly from the first game and they spoke about how yeah, like love it was a, a huge um, theme in the first game, but I think what's interesting about the show and is the, the fact that we can just sit with the story and not, you know, because when you're playing when you're playing the actual game, you're thinking about survival, so, and you're thinking about doing when you're playing a video game, you're you're not as enthralled in, in a story. It's it's just not the medium for that, but for TV. And it sounds, you know, corny. There's so many romantic love stories. When people hear love, they kind of get turned off. But I think what's interesting about this story is, with all hope gone, like like love can persevere, but it also can motivate you to do things that you wouldn't have normally done in a civilized world or a world where there are laws or a world where there's literally no hope. So I I think that's what makes this show interesting. Is like. If there's no parameters and there's nothing holding you back, what could love motivate you to do or or how can it change you as a person?
2: Yeah, that, that's really...
0: And it goes back to what they were saying about the infection itself because I remember you were saying that there's an oh, like the affection, it, it wants love too or it, it has love, right? Yeah. They, they were mentioning yeah, that in the that. episode.
2: That's why it wants to like spread and it, it has that same desire to have communi- community basically like it can't survive on its own the way that we can't survive on our own like the way that that bill was unable to i mean he was surviving but he wasn't really living but yeah that's powerful what what you said about not only can love like persevere but it kind of can change like bill bill is like the inverse of joel and how i saw it like whereas joel lost everything after outbreak bill kind of had was already lost before and during before before the outbreak and he kind of found himself and found his real found the meaning and, and, and beauty of life afterward and that's like a that's like a powerful statement i think that even in the in the face of despair and destruction and all that that not only can love persevere but it can kind of be the dominating force in some like because that's what it became for Billy. he became like a whole different person a whole a better person we'll talk more about how we see his his character arc throughout the this episode but it, he's a completely different person a completely changed person from from beginning to the end of this and I thought that was so interesting how they kind of really um put that on display and made that kind of like the centerpiece of the story and the focus of the story um but going back to like just how we've been watching the show we've been like I say we've been talking about like a lot of the technical flair and stuff but uh like the cin- the cinematography here and I wanted to just touch on it before we break down the episode um because it's something that we've kind of been focusing on the shots are memorable but they're they're memorable for different reasons they're not like particularly visually striking but they're emotionally striking i'm thinking about the first shot of frank in the hole with his hands up that shot like uh, it hits so different now like I, when i was watching it the second time just seeing him there in the hole it's not like a fancy um technically like like i said stylus shot but just every all the meaning behind it and then the shot at the first shot of them on the porch after the 10-year time jump and then bill bill willing frank into the bedroom that one is that one's pretty gacho too and then the final shot of the window so just a lot of simple um like no special effects at all last week we were talking about how great the buildings looked and when, um, you know, when Ali's crossing that wood, that wood board to between buildings, and how all these shots are beautiful and and striking, but of course they're they're layered with VFX. But these are just simple, super simple shots and framing. There's probably like very little VFX in this episode, if any. Um, but a lot of these shots are like burned in my brain for different reasons. I thought it was cool that the show can do both, like it can be stylish and, and 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 really visually striking and and then it could also be like emotionally um striking as well so uh now we'll, we'll get into the episode episode breakdown so we open up on present day like right into the credits so there's no cold open bro were you were you disappointed
0: no but i mean i i can't imagine that they're just gonna abandon it completely mm-hmm. And I, was, I wasn't was disappointed, but yeah, the last two were just so cool yeah. in, in terms of, it felt like, like we mentioned it before, it felt like you were watching a different show, like you you were watching somebody, like you were getting a complete different perspective, but in the same world, like it, like fully. Yeah, fully, in it fleshes of, out
2: the world a little bit more.
0: Yeah, in terms of the time, the people, like everything was a complete alternate perspective. So... I mean, I would hope to see that again, but if like this episode this episode for sure didn't need it specifically. Yeah. So if we're going by that logic in terms of, you know, kind of treating each chapter as its own thing, this episode definitely didn't need that. Yeah. I saw and it kinda had one later. Yeah in yeah. terms of going back well, and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. I saw
2: one Twitter say Twitter user say, When episode three started, I turned to my husband and said, Oh man, I was hoping for a flashback. I've really been liking those and by yeah. the end he looked at me like There's your flashback, (laughs) and I was like, "Damn, yeah." So so the whole episode is basically a flashback. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, good way of putting it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I don't say I don't want to say I was disappointed, but like, I'll just echo ever like echo everything you said. I really was enjoying those, and it kind of uh, set the episode. They were setting the episodes up really well on like what to not necessarily what to expect, but it kind of just settled you into the show. Having a show open up right on opening credits, it, it was a little. It was a little disorienting for me, but um, I didn't have a huge issue with it. I was kind of almost in like, um, like kind of sparked my interest even more because I was like, oh, they must be doing, they're doing something different again. Like this show continues to kind of surprise you.
0: Yeah. It was almost like a disclaimer, like kind of keep your mind open. This is going in a complete different direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: It's like, you think, you know, but you don't know. (laughs) Uh, So we open up on Joel. He's kind of next to a river. He's stacking rocks, so these are known as cairns, and they originate cairns, c a r c a i r n s. I'm think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. Cairns, not cairns. <laughs> they originate from a Gaelic term that means heap of stones. They're often used by cultures to like signal safety and passageways, or like food or shelter. Um, like way back since the 1700s, they say, but they're also used to serve as like tributes and memorials. Um, I also heard that people use it as like a meditative practice to try to achieve calm and balance. Um, but uh, Ryan Airy from Screen Crush said he saw it as like a kind of like a memorial to test the way he was stacking in, the way he kind of looked reflective and melancholic. Uh, did you did you get that from the first view, or what, what did you think was going on with the stacking of the rocks?
0: I didn't get it until I was watching those same YouTube videos you just mm-hmm. mentioned about it. It, it kind of—I don't know—it just didn't click for me. Maybe because now that you mentioned it, I was a little disoriented. Yeah, me that too. We did, that we didn't get the cold open. Yeah. So it kind of just took me more time to.
2: I was thinking about that kind get of get
0: into the episode, yeah. but I mean, they did kind of linger on Pedro, so I could tell he was mourning, but the what he was doing exactly, it didn't click for me. But I thought that was cool. Yeah,
2: that yeah, was a cool, like, kind of a, an interesting new way to drop us into the world. of very calm, like the most calm entry we've had up until this point, I think into the world, every other first moment of the show has been sort of kind of chaotic. And this was like yeah. the first kind of quiet moment.
0: Yeah. And it's cool to just, or it's, it's nice to see Joel's character get fleshed out without need, the need of exposition or a dialogue with Ali, you know, because I feel like, especially now, cause I just started playing the, the first game again, I'm, I'm playing the PS5 remake. And and not to say like he's like all happy go lucky, but Pedro's take and the way they're directing him, as opposed to how he is in the game, he's a lot more of a hard ass. He's a lot more, um, he's not he's a lot less emotionally available. Cause like when you're playing the game, especially in the during the test section, they have like like I didn't notice it the very first time I played it, but they they have like a friendly little dynamic. They kind of flirt and stuff i didn't see any of that at all in the show he's just like completely shut off from Tess. so to see him mourning her and, and and being remorseful of his his whole ordeal the last however many years he was with her without the need of him explaining it to anybody or him crying or anything like that him just doing a simple little action by the lake was i thought that was a nice touch
2: yeah, we, and she's still not giving much, so, like... Yeah, it, it, he's it, still not giving
0: much, Because
2: so. <laughs> right when we... The following scene, you know, Ellie tries to kind of break the ice a bit, and he starts with, I don't want your sorry he says, because she's trying, and she's like, "Uh, let me finish, motherfucker. That's not what I was going to do. Yeah. And she basically tells him, don't blame me for something that isn't my fault. You chose to do this. And she kind of, kind of checks him and sets him straight. I thought this was really emotionally mature of her, but... But I'm not sure if she really believes it because we see her dealing or we saw her in the last episode at least a little bit dealing with the guilt of what happened to Tess, and I think that a part of her does believe she's responsible, but there's also a part of her that's that i mean you you have you, when this happens to us real people, you feel two ways about the same thing, and you're they're constantly at odds with each other, like um one side you believes this, and one side you, you believes that, but she knows which side is going to help her move forward and that's the side to believe that like she says here which um you know they chose to do this I, this isn't my fault this isn't my fault That's see I think that's the only way you can move on is by choosing like the more optimistic side of whatever your 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 brain is battling with you know what I'm saying
0: Yeah it was aware of her verbalizing of how she wants to feel about yeah, it Yeah exactly you know and it's it's clever writing and it's something we see on a lot of emotionally mature shows that it's it's what they're not saying that's more impactful than what they actually are saying. Like this is this kind of going off topic, but um you mentioned Ryan Ari and he was he's mentioning or he tweeted recently that he started watching Redstone he was like crapping on the writing. And I was thinking about how on that show Wait, like or not not redstone, sorry. Yellowstone. Oh yeah, I saw him talk about and, that. And he was like in that show like they, they don't leave any interpretation like available. Like they have to tell you like this is exactly what the <laughs> character's thinking. So I like when shows do that, like they're saying this, but you could tell by their face and their actions that they actually mean the opposite. Yeah. And that's good direction too. Yeah. It's it has to be the perfect storm. Good direction, good writing, good acting. Yeah,
2: for sure. And the and the fact that Joel doesn't like argue with her. I'm sure yep. helps her feel validated in, in her feelings of that. Um, he kind of just like nods and I think it's like the first time you sort of like show some respect towards her, you know, he's like, cool. So you st- slowly start to see him come around and realize that this kid maybe doesn't, it doesn't have to be as bad as I think it is. Like, sh- I don't know. You know, there's the first time that, like, maybe that was like one of the first times you saw him sort of show respect towards her. um, yeah, so he says she says like how how long is this? How long to Bill and Frank's? And he's like, it's a five hour hike. And she says, we we can manage that. The way she says it is like, she's kind of constantly trying to prove to him that she's tough, you know? Like five hour hike. If you would have told me that, bro, I would have been like, fuck, or I would have sighed or grunted. I don't know. Maybe five hours isn't that bad. In in the post- five hour
0: hike in this world would be like an hour and a half, half hike in. A civilized world, yeah. Because you have to think, there's no cars or anything. She's probably like five hours. That, that's
2: that's chill. Yeah.
0: To her, it'd probably be like a day's hike. Yeah, yeah. And she'd be like, "All right, that's normal." Really yeah, yeah.
2: That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, "Well, what else do they have to do?" There's exactly <laughs> there's else to do. She's probably like, "Fuck yeah, yeah. kill five hours, feed man." Yeah. Um. So as they're walking along, she's like, she's still on edge. She's like, "There's no infected," and he he confirms that there isn't. But what he's out, but but she's she's like, "Well, what are you looking out for?" He's looking out for people. Um, because, you know, people are the, alt- the, probably the biggest threat in, in this world, just like the most dangerous game, Yeah, the most dangerous game. <laughs> Zodiac. That's kind of like the, the thesis of the show is like, it's not the infected that are responsible for the downfall of everything. It's how we, as people responded to it. And we see that in a few different ways in this episode particularly and um so she asks is are, are bill and frank nice such a such like a kid thing to ask nice i thought that was funny and he's like frank frank is i thought that i thought that was a little funny funny exchange she asked him about this scar and uh she's still she's still very plucky and, and snarky she's like uh well he doesn't want to talk about it right he still closed off and she's like did you what did you fall down some stairs and he's like i didn't fall down any stairs <laughs> i thought <that> was funny. <laughs> And then, uh, so he finally opens up. He tells her he got shot, uh, but they missed. He shot back. He missed too. It happens more than you think. And she says, what? Cause you suck at shooting. So she, she's kind of unrelenting in her little, uh, plucky snark. But, um, I thought this was like a funny exchange that happens more than you think. Kind of like a, a nod to video games, you know, in video yes, games.
0: That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say, especially playing now. I'm like, it's dude, it's hard to aim in there. Like,
2: Oh, in that game particular. Yeah.
0: Cause like the aiming system, it's. Like you, you can't just like it's not, it it it's more realistic. Like it sways a lot, and you have to like hold it a little bit. And, and the PS5 has adapted triggers too. So what that means is like you feel pressure mm. against your finger. Mm. So it's not just like you can hold it and like it feels. It's like haptics and all that. It's annoying to explain, but yeah, the PS5 you can turn it off, but I like to leave it on, especially with this game. And yeah, it's hard to aim in there. You can't just like one-shot people i mean you can if you play the game for several hours you'll get good obviously but if you're just a casual gamer and you haven't spent a lot of time with it it is hard to aim for sure yeah. and then, especially thinking more there's so much the ammo is so scarce like that gets in your head too and you're like fuck you miss a shot like nothing
2: dude. oh yeah that makes yeah. it more impactful or more important to get it right yeah um, she really wants a gun she asks him well maybe you know if if more people are if people are Two shots are better than one, you know, since it's so likely that people miss. But he's like, no, no guns, no guns. So she, she really wants that damn gun, bro. Yeah. Um. They they pull up on Cumberland Farms. It's like a gas station convenience store. Joel tells her that, you know, that they have supplies stashed here, and they go inside, and Allie spots the Mortal Kombat game, bro, and she she's stoked. Um. She asked Joel if he if he's ever played. I I think Joel. I wish she would have gave Joel a, a chance to answer because I think he definitely would have been a mortal Kombat fan considering that he liked that curtis and the viper movie that's yeah. kind of like in the same vein but i i was just picturing him and tommy you know playing on the couch fucking like going at it um are
0: you, the first mortal Kombat movie's fire too so you could have been like, i like the movie yeah I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> i've I seen the movie yeah, the, the movie's funny.
2: fire yeah. the first one's fire but yeah uh, the games are, are way better and i, I was oh, just yeah, picturing course. him and tommy like on the couch maybe when they were kids like you and me uh, mm-hmm. playing this and I was thinking, what, what kind of character? What character would Joel play as? Uh, I don't know why. He seems like a Sub Zero. Sub Zero. I was thinking yeah. Raiden for some reason. I don't know why. Nah, Sub Zero. Sub Zero. Well, yeah. Who's your Who's your favorite character?
0: I think Scorpion. Honestly, I know it's a played out pick, yeah. but just how hard his costume looked and the s- damn snake scorpion thing coming out of his hand it just looks so hard so uh,
2: a little a little back background here me yeah. and remember we dressed up as as the ninjas i was yeah i was smoke right and you were sub-zero
0: i was sub-zero yeah
2: and you you were like 10 years old bro this was inappropriate this was yeah. younger probably
0: yeah, i liked sub-zero more when i was younger just because he looked cooler and i liked like i, I liked a lot of like iced based like superheroes Iceman. and yeah, like I loved Iceman and the X-Men movies and stuff, even though he was like kind of lame of a character. I just liked Ice for some reason. I still do like Ice, yeah. but yeah, Scorpion's whole backstory and, and shit is a lot better, so I, I, I cater more towards Scorpion yeah. now.
2: Shout out to Sherry, our aunt. She made us really awesome costumes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> dude, I, I think about those a lot, honestly. I, I even remember how they felt. Like they felt they were comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Like they felt good. Oh man, good times. It was almost like the uh what, what's like the material? Like the material for like a pennant flag. Like. Yeah, it was like a felt. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, for like those old G baseball. Sherry would get like, down like, on
2: the sewing machine, man. Yeah. Uh um, our okay. cousin. yeah. But um this game, like I I never um Mom, mom wouldn't let me play it like this is a game that was super at the time it was released it was very controversial people weren't allowed or, you know i remember that they had the explicit content mom wouldn't let me play it the only time i was able to play is when i would go to the boys house the boys are cousins they had it and it always felt like i always felt like i was breaking all the rules be so i couldn't even focus on playing the game because <laughs> i was so scared if mom walked in or if mom found out that's how scared i was and how prohibited this game was at least in, in my life um so it, it brings back memories but oh man i love that game Get, getting to that game i was just uh, i was obsessed with it just because when someone tells you like when your parents tell you don't do this you can't do this you're even more curious you want to do it even more and that was one of those instances with this game where mom was like if i ever catch you playing that damn game you <laughs> know you're done. i'll fate i'll fatality you yeah um, so
0: And the market wasn't as saturated back then, you know, because... Yeah, it was one
2: of the first, like, really violent findings. Like, Tekken, I think, may have yeah. been out. But go ahead.
0: Like, yeah, during that time, I mean, it's interesting because... Like, yeah, with te- as technology has advanced, more people are able to create games and, and stuff in, uh, with, like, less of a a whole, a whole, like, office of teams behind them. So that was, like, the original, like, political... This is the violent game. Like, now it's Call of Duty, right? Which is only because it's the most popular game. Not It's definitely not the most violent. But back then, you think of how, like, the graphics weren't obviously that great. And the market wasn't as saturated. So this was the violent game. And back then, it was an easy target for politicians and stuff. So I feel like that was more of, like, a cultural impact. Like, it was kind of, like, that whole ideology was more aligned with with, with like, political and cultural views yeah. at that time then simply like i'm not, i don't want to i don't want my kid to see that like you're all like for i can imagine like for some parents they're probably embarrassed like oh your kid plays mortal kombat like they don't want any of their friends knowing that shit, oh yeah know? yeah it's like an embarrassing thing
2: yeah plus it was so gory and it was very graphic yeah. but um yeah the game was um Really controversial. Uh, following the Columbine shooting, Bill Clinton condemned violence in video games and used Mortal Kombat, Doom, and Killer Instinct as, as named examples and expressed yeah, them as see, exactly. expressing these titles. Make our children, quote, make our children more active participants in simulated violence. So you saw that kind of happen all at the same time. Like the blame, It's still happening today. There's still a lot of stupid politicians out there who are blaming violent video games and movies and rap music, all these different things. But I feel like Mortal Kombat was one of the first that was named. You know, it's yeah. kinda crazy to think it's, about yeah,
0: it's, it's still a, a pillar, the one of the pillars of the GOP talking points
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, it was funny how excited Allie got and it made me think like she's probably never even played a video game. How does she even have context for how cool or exciting it is? She does mention a friend who knew everything about the game. She doesn't specifically say that the friend played the game, just that they knew everything. So I don't even know. I'm guessing she's talking about Riley but I don't even know mm-hmm. if Riley played herself. Maybe Riley had an older sibling who told her about the game. But I can't imagine anyone in Ali's circle was old enough to play video games, unless there's some consoles that made it through the outbreak.
0: Oh no, for sure. I remember. It, this, this is not a spoiler, oh, okay. but there's there's a cool scene in in Last of Us Part Two when you like sneak up on somebody and they have like a PSP oh. and they're playing it. <laughs> like, so, like so, like handheld games and stuff like that that wouldn't require like a huge TV and shit. They definitely could last. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Because you figure, like, you find someone who's resourceful, they could fix it if there's issues and stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, she mentions Melina. I thought that was, like, an interesting character to mention. Um, I remember Melina. She was annoying. Yeah. Uh, other, I was thinking about other annoying fighters. Liu Kang was a really annoying fighter with that trip. He would do that trip. That yeah. kick trip. Um Oh, man, some of those fighters would drive me crazy. Johnny
0: Cage punching you
2: in the nuts. Yeah, Johnny Cage. Oh, man, <laughs> drive me nuts some of these moves. It brought back a lot of memories. Uh, I thought it was cool to see that. Uh, I wonder if Druckmann is, like, I don't know if he's ever, like, voiced his love for the game in other ways. Yeah. but that's...
0: Yeah, no, I always forget we have, like, a pretty... Like it, it, it is one of our touchstones, yeah. at least for you and I. Because I remember I had, I had that, su- or you had that sweater that you passed down to me too. Mm-hmm. It was like a Mortal Kombat sweater. It's like I still think about that sweater to this day. Oh, was, it was so hard. Shit is so hard. I, like I could probably resell that vintage now for like sixty bucks. Honestly, you just do it? It's hard. No, uh-huh. I think I think it ripped or uh-huh. something. Because I could have swore I held onto it for the longest time, and it either didn't fit me, or it ripped, or I got rid of it, or something.
2: Nah, man, like. Yeah next to metal gear solid you know i don't play video games anymore but next to metal gear solid that was one of my favorite games for sure Lo- loved it so fun yeah hours g- gone playing against yeah. my cousins and playing against drew and randy and you yeah. rafa everyone everyone was tapped into that shit
0: yeah it, just the whole lure, the whole like lore and art style behind it it, it was tight it felt like a like it was on some like it was on par with like something like Dragon Ball Z or something like that. back Yeah, but
2: night. it was never like the stories weren't ever really fully fleshed out. It was just enough, you know. It was just yeah, exactly. enough. Yeah, exactly. That's why to give you an idea of who they were. When it, I think when the stories got to like I would be more. I'd be so. I would get. They would lose me when they would try to go too deep into like Scorpion's trauma and try to yeah. humanize him. Like no, he was cooler when he was just like a ruthless assassin. Yeah, like that. It doesn't need more than that. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, it definitely gets more convoluted. Yeah. But that goes for anything. Like, the longer a property exists, the more they want to bring new life into Stretch it. Stretch it out. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't need that, yeah. really. Kind of just be one, its own thing. Yeah. Like the Speaking of, like the animated movie, um, I'm not sure if the... There's a couple of them. I saw, them, the, I saw least, a recent
2: one that was actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, there's at least two. They're they they're both really good. If anyone's listening, you should check those out, the animated yeah, ones.
2: Yeah, the most recent Sub-Zero Scorpion one. There's a Sub-Zero Scorpion one scott put me on too i checked it out and it was good animation was really good and the voice acting anyways we got a little bit of a tangent there but just big mortal Kombat fans here um (laughs) so Allie decides to browse around a little bit joel tells her don't bother it's all been picked over she kind of uh wanders into another room she asks is there anything bad in here just you so this is becoming a running joke between joel and Allie. that just you i was beginning to if i didn't know better if i you know i didn't have Future knowledge of the game, I would say that this is like foreshadowing that she either becomes, uninfected or she becomes super ruthless and dangerous, you know, because she's always asking, "Is there anything bad in here?" And it's just you. So, how does she? You know, I feel like you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I mean,
0: honestly, that scene pays off like not too long after well, with, with what yeah, she that's does. that's true. That's why I'm yeah. saying
2: like. Is she is she going to become like this ruthless like killer or oh, something? Bro. Okay, okay. Take yeah. it easy. <laughs> yeah. But I just thought that uh yeah. I mean it's I, funny honestly and like it's cool. everyone
0: in this world is pretty ruthless. Yeah, but
2: at this point she's like very innocent and like hasn't even really gotten her hands dirty. She's scared. Yeah. She's witnessing everything for the first time. We'll talk about more about that later, but last week was the first time she was in the open world, first time seeing infected. This week it's their first time seeing uh, a arcade game or an a crashed airplane. So we're seeing Allie experience a lot of these things for the first time and I think yeah. that that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it connects to that that line that Tess had in the first uh, episode too when she was lying about who beat her up and she said it was a couple teenagers. And then she had that line where she was saying I think she called them post-pan yeah. people that they don't know better because this is the world they grew up All in. They, they just so we have to swinging. remember. Yeah. yeah, we have to remember Ali this is all she knows. So violence and
2: survival
0: and survival are as common of a thing to her as like uh, eating or just like it's just, it's a core kind of it's a core to who she is in this world and, and basically her whole generation for lack of it. Yeah.
2: Word. So she finds like an entry to a basement. She decides to go down and she's smart. You see that she secures her exit before going in all the way. She like gets a box and stuff. Um, right away, she finds tampons, and she's like, "She's like, wow, I guess Joel really didn't look over at Typical man behavior, not being thorough, half-ass searching, or I don't know yeah. what. Maybe it just wasn't on his mind." But I
0: yeah, I saw a tweet about that too. Someone, like a woman, said that she really appreciates that that touch because she always watches like Walking Dead or post-apocalyptic type shows, and that's like one of the main things she was wondering about. Yeah, like, no one ever touches on that. Like, yeah. well,
2: well, how would this work? What happens yeah. after? Yeah. Um, so She goes in there, and then right away, there's an infectant, it's kind of trapped over under like a rubble of rocks. And this scene was really interesting. Like, the way she's looking at it, it like, you can, like, how, what did you take from it? Like, was she looking at it like she was angry? Um, another, I saw another people say that it looked like she was looking to see if there's any human left in it. You could take it a bunch of different ways. Is she just a sight? Like, is this is this scene. Placed there just to show how much of a psycho she is or like her kind of violent tendencies or is there more going on is she angry because of all of the things that the infected is taking away from her the world a normal life her friends maybe is she searching like i said to see if there's any human left because she talked about that before where she asked joel if she if he's had to kill anyone yeah that's okay um but it looks like they linger on her face a long time and i guess you could take it in a number of ways but upon first Viewing me, I kind of just saw it on the surface level of, oh, she's just kind of, she's just kind of psycho, bro. (laughs) What about you? Kind of the same thing?
0: I guess the first thing that pops into my mind right now is her, um, her interest in the infection as itself. Oh, yeah. In terms of like the aesthetic, how it grows, especially the idea that this could have been me if I wasn't immune. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. You know, this could have been my fate. Yeah, good point. And obviously the the people she's cared, she cares about, or I'm sure there's people in her life that have met a similar fate. She's probably thinking about that too a bit. But then it's interesting to see how the, um, the scene starts with her kind of, her kind of, I guess, twisted curiosity, but in, again, to recontextualize it, um, this isn't necessarily as twisted as, you know, we think because this is. She's she's only grown up in a world of this kind of survival mentality and and violent mentality. So for her, her, I mean, any other teenager might have would have just smashed its head in immediately. But I thought it was interesting how she kind of took her time with it. Yeah, that's a really good point.
2: She's kind of interested because she wants to know what she's immune from. Yeah. What she's very curious about the whole thing for someone who can't be affected by it. She asked questions. She asked a lot of questions later later on in the episode about where it started and stuff um so she comes out of the basement safe and sound there's a moment where joel can't joel doesn't hear her but she's all good he decides to hide the rifle because there's no ammo so again really like um kind of establishing what you can expect from the show this isn't going to be like a straight-up action shooter bunch of shootouts stuff like that this is a real war the show is really grounded and leaning into like what it would really be like in this. You wouldn't be hauling extra weight. You would try to be as lean and light as possible, especially if you're going to be hiking miles and and traveling. I thought that was smart and a nice touch. I
0: forgot who said it too. I think it might have been Heavy Spoilers or Screen Crush, but they were mentioning that it also pointed to the fact that to him, he's already looking ahead that he'll probably return there later. He's already planning ahead, like of post dropping off the cargo. Who is this kid? Um, I gotta leave this for next time. Yeah, yeah. Which just kind of points to the fact that he he's still in that survivalist mode. Yeah, he didn't of, expect. Like, I'm I'm shipping this, and once I'm done with this, it's back to back to business, back to like regularly scheduled program type. Yeah, shit.
2: for sure. So they continue on their way as they're walking. them they they they're walking by a field, and Ellie spots and there, there's a big jetliner like it's crashed she's in awe like the way she's in awe again it's like she saw a dinosaur fossil that's what it kind of made me think of mm-hmm. um
0: that was the first screenshot we saw from the the show as well Oh, okay yeah and
2: uh, it looks great like there's some that's probably a visual vfx shot but again the vfx have been really solid and um she's all she's like dude you got her she's like you got to go up you ever go up in one of those i thought that was funny and she's like dude you got to go up in the sky Joel doesn't have fond memories of flying, bro. He sounds kind of like you. I know that's you hate flying. (laughs) I hate it.
0: I I, I wouldn't say, like, I hate flying. I just hate airports. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's musty. Like, TSA is annoying, especially for you. Like, they see your iPad, and they're like, this guy is up to no good. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Anyone with an iPad. Yeah, Yeah. because we flew to San Fran in, in December, and both times they were just infatuated with bob's ipad as if he was hauling some kind of rare mineral or something but yeah it's just annoying but like actually flying like when you once you get on there i mean it's it's chill like long, long flights no but i mean who doesn't who does like a long flight like come on but like the actual flying is isn't bad i do appreciate it like when i'm up in the sky i'm like this is crazy it's kind of cool i'm alive during this time where i can do yeah, this crazy but at the same time like yeah like airports all that yeah getting, getting to it is the worst yeah, part for sure yeah but yeah i agree with joel
2: for sure yeah she's like you got to go up in the sky he's like so did they and she's like don't know. Uh, again we talked about this in the hype show about hopefully there's humor and there's been so much humor up to this to this point to kind of mm-hmm. relieve some of the tension especially after that last ep- uh that last scene of of her killing the infected was followed up by something like this, really cool that they're able to balance those tones really well.
0: Yeah, little connection to World War Z too. That's like a crazy, uh, cool action zombie. That's like the zombie plane scene, oh, yeah, right there. Like, That's that scene like makes the whole movie. Yeah. but
2: uh, yeah. the movie has some really good set action set pieces. Yeah, it does. Uh, so they they continue to walk along, and this is where we get a little bit of a we get a real deep Cordyceps history list lesson. She asks, "What happened?" Was it a monkey? He's like, it wasn't a monkey.
0: <laughs> Twenty eight days later, right? uh, or outbreak? The yeah. movie called Outbreak. Yeah, Outbreak. I've never seen That's that. It. They mentioned, I think um, Ryan Airy oh, mentioned man, that, that as
2: movie. Well. Yeah. It traumatized me, bro. Yeah, um,
0: that was like a school movie too. Yeah, they, they that in why school. They sh- I think.
2: Why would they show that as school? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny the way he said it. It wasn't a monkey. Like Pedro's really good with like this delivering this flat dialogue. Uh, and it's like some of the funniest moments in the in the scene, like when he says, "I didn't fall down any stairs." He kind of just delivers it straight. Straight. He's a great straight man, which is um funny because he plays the opposite in that unbearable weight of massive talent, where he's kind of the comedic relief. And Nick Cage is sort of the straight. I don't know. It's a weird dynamic, but Nick Cage is Nick Cage. Nick Cage is Nick Cage. (laughs) That's on Stars now, bro. We got to check it out. Oh really?
0: Yeah. I just I just canceled that, but it's it's good for
2: a couple Uh, weeks. So we'll check it out. Um, And then he's like, didn't you, I thought you went to school. Didn't you learn that in school? And she's like, no, I went to a federal school. So federal school, I guess, was preaching like some sort of revisionist history, much like the current U.S. public education system. You know, they don't tell the whole story. They just tell what, what they want you to know. Kind of the same thing that we see happening now, right? Um,
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. I wonder what, the, what their... Version of events. Is... Well, just like
2: the shit we're taught in school. like what The version yeah. of events we're taught sometimes aren't really how it went down. The whole Christopher Columbus thing. There's so many other instances and examples of yeah, this. Yeah, but happening. you would
0: think it'd be pretty hard to lie about this when you're faced with it every single day. <laughs> yeah, but... Maybe in a QZ, it's a lot easier to suppress all It'd probably that.
2: be easier because no one was yeah. recording history. There was no one keeping records anymore after yeah. it all and went most down. most of the
0: kids probably aren't venturing out into the world seeing clickers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah,
2: so. so... Yeah, they... Like they don't really learn what really went down, and Joel goes on to say that no one knows for sure. But he he the, the 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 dominating theory is that cordyceps mutated, got into the food supply, flour, sugar, uh certain foods that are sold everywhere. So this is all this has been kind of theorized since episode one, but it's basically confirmed here. Whole well, you know it got it, it contaminated the food supply with um, foods that are sold everywhere like bread, cereal, pancake mix. He kind of pauses on pancake mix, kind of. I think, taking him back to that morning. Um, First episode, yeah. yeah. He, he says, you eat enough, you get infected. He kind of gives, like, a brief timeline. Really broken, broke broke down the timeline. You can tell he's given this some thought, or a lot of people have been talking about it, but the theory is that the food hit the shelves on Thursday, got eaten Thursday night, Friday morning. By Friday night, everything started to go to shit. And then he says, quote, by Monday, everything was gone. I thought that was a really kind of um, efficient way of, of kind of, delivering that big fat chunk of exposition um
0: it is still exposition heavy but like i guess in its defense considering her curiosity and like
2: and it's not necessarily exposition because we saw it happen so it's kind of just a retelling but yeah go ahead
0: well that's why because we saw it happen so it is necessarily it's not needed but i think if you put it if you're viewing it in the sense of them kind of establishing a, a relationship and you know him yeah not not just being a, a little mopey bitch exactly. and not answering her questions that's i feel like that's what i took more. yeah that was the it. point like, of the scene right yeah
2: to show them kind of connecting over this thing and and it's kind of buttoned when she says thanks she says thanks yeah. and yeah. it's like you know sure so it kind of i think that's really why it was there it wasn't be, you know we knew all this already it wasn't yeah. there to kind of deliver exposition it was there to kind of build on their relationship a little bit uh, as, the, yeah. as they continue on, Joel's like, "Oh no, we should go a different way," um, but Allie wants to, because he kind of warns there's something that's dangerous here. You don't want to see, but of course, Allie wants to see. She's kind of the morbid kind of like she's like a goth kid. She wants to see the blood. She's into <laughs> that. She's like, "I'm into this shit, man. I want to see." Um,
0: yeah. Anytime you tell a kid you don't want to see something, they're gonna want to see yeah. it. So, <laughs>
2: um, so apparently, one week after outbreak, the fucking government, <clears throat> government, Christopher Walken voice, bro. Uh, Seven cycles. M- <laughs> The government went through the countryside. They evacuated small towns. They told people they were going to a QZ if there was room. If not, they killed them. And she's like, what? Why why would they do that? She's kind of mortified. She can't believe it. So, again, her, I guess her perception of the government and FEDRA isn't as warped as it should be or as Joel's is. Maybe, like we said, she doesn't know the whole truth, but she's kind of surprised at this. And seeing what we've seen, you know, you would be surprised if you saw them hanging people in the in the town square back at the q z for breaking these silly small rules so it was interesting that she was so surprised that they would do this um This part's not real, I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know if the I know the government is terrible, but I don't know if they'd go this far to just start killing people, but maybe I don't know you know it's not that far off but it it is asking you to suspend belief a little bit um and he says, you know, dead people can't be affected. I thought that was a really great, efficient way of explaining why they would do, it, do this again. Really um, efficient, like, um, line deliveries and, and writing here.
0: Yeah. Is this from the game? I don't know. I oh, feel like... Sorry? sorry, but... um, You think they would do this? If shit got this bad, like, the, the world would be in ruin. Oh, yeah, they were bombing. They were
2: bombing the there'd town. Be,
0: like, there'd be no one left. Yeah. Everyone would have already k- either killed themselves. Like the government would not even need to step in; we'd already killed. <laughs> yeah. <Damn.
2: laughs>
0: Guess like you- the government would just have to shoot whoever's
2: left. That's yeah. it. Is this from the game? Or is this some, Is this a show invention? This whole like, um, exterminating the survived just because the dead people they don't want you know people to be infected and for the infected population to grow.
0: There's no flashback or anything like that, but I mean. This is basically what happened to Sarah, and this was, like, on day zero, so I can't imagine as the virus got worse and killed more people, they were just going to be like, oh, yeah, dumb, don't worry about, um, just kill the infected. They're probably like, no, like, kill who you have to kill. Like, we got a desperate times, desperate yeah. measures type of Because every person
2: so. who is infected is a potential infected, so that's exactly. what they were looking at it as, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then we yeah that was
0: the whole reason yeah. why Sarah had to go, I guess in the military's mind, yeah. and
2: yeah. then you see like the like some like a you see some skeletons and you see some like a blouse, and then you get the flashbacks and then I was like, oh there they are doing the flashback, and we see this woman, and i was like, oh my gosh, are we gonna follow this woman and have to see her be exterminated but they, they it's it, it was a really again a really smart way of saying a lot with with a little they just it's enough for you to right away get what happened here. And uh, the focus isn't, doesn't rest on her much longer. We do see her again once more, but that's it. We see her like twice with the baby and that's it. But a lot of people mentioned that when they first saw her, they were like, oh my gosh, they they kind of started to panic because they didn't want to see. They, they thought like the dramatic tension of that, of knowing what happened to her, would kind of not be a great like watching experience or wouldn't be an effective way of telling this story. But they don't do that. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a head fake. Because then you, yeah. this is just their way of dropping you into Bill's world.
0: I mean, the crossfade is enough, and it went over my head because it's it lingers on. You see the baby's skull, and you see the the woman's skull, and the blouse, and then the piece of the baby's clothing, and then it directly <laughs> cuts right into them. Hold like her holding the baby. So like, when you put two and two together. That's already enough. Yeah. It's gnarly as yeah, it it's is. It's yeah, it's gnarly enough.
2: They don't have to rest on it. Um they don't have to explain. I'm glad more.
0: that went over my head though. I was like, "Damn." Cuz when I saw it, they mentioned it. Wait, what
2: went over your head? The fact that it was the same woman?
0: Well, I I noticed that I I figured it was the same woman, but I didn't know the baby skull was right there oh, too. Oh yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah, you
2: can't really It's really tiny.
0: Yeah, and it's quick. It happens yeah. quick. But yeah, I, I didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um you see security cameras, then you learn that it's that, that then then you then we're introduced to Bill. We get this perspective of him sitting in front of all of these monitors. And he has a really, like, pimped-out bunker, bro. Like, it reminded me of, like, the Batcave. I was like, what the hell is this? Is this Bruce Wayne? Is this, mo-? Uh, like, <laughs> it reminded me of Bruce Wayne's Batcave. How, like, yeah. um advanced and technically a sound his whole uh, monitoring system was. He had a camera. It seemed like on every corner he was just watching everything. Um yeah.
0: Him and the dude from, or him and uh, John Goodman from Ten Cloverfield Lane had the same contractor. Oh shit, that'd be
2: a good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> same contractor.
0: Because <laughs> both of those are like, like if I were to make one, those two examples are like the best ones I could think of. Ten Cloverfield Lane for sure, because like that should look nice. Yeah, look <laughs> co- cozy, comfy. This one didn't yeah, look as
2: cozy, but it was. Uh, it did look one, functional, one. For one. Yeah, and efficient, one and it's actually the basement's basement. So this fool's like two levels deep. 'Cause you yeah. hear the Fed agent say there's nothing in the basement and you learn that this fool did not take any chances. He actually made a basement within the basement, which is yeah, which is the first the first time I've seen something like this kind of shown this way. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Um made me think like what essentials would, would I want in my bunker? And I mean I think
0: You'd have so much food, bro. Food? Fruit, fruit? Yeah, my. Yeah, I need my fruit. Have, I need some not tea, not some coffee. Maybe no. dried-out fruit, because I don't know how... It'd last longer, right? Yeah. Dried-out fruit? Sure. Or does that shit go bad, too? Yeah,
2: no. I mean, it lasts It lasts last longer, long, right? last long.
0: Yeah. You'd have a million, like, <laughs> gallons of dried-out fruit and oats. And I need my AirPods, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, But I don't know how useful they'd be without Wi-Fi, but maybe I'd just probably re-listen to old podcasts old Ringiverse episodes old dave chen episodes my music um what about movies well, what, what i was thinking if i had the sopranos box collection down there i'd be probably pretty good with that maybe a couple of other like tv series box collection, box collections and just cycle through those till i died but if i probably want sopranos down there um breaking bad the wire Mad Men. if i had those box sets and some food um yeah a comfy chair comfy chairs clutch like I, I can't stand to be in like a really stiff uncomfortable chair so i need like a recliner of some sort um i think that i don't know i think i'd be good with that i'm a simple man bro
0: yeah i don't know i i feel like obviously food is most important but i don't want to talk about food with that so i would i would i would not want to think about the shit spoiling and stuff too whatever, I'll, we'll go out into the world and kill who we have to kill or start eating people. <laughs> I don't care. But um, I feel like that would probably be the best time for me to just commit to books. I feel like I'd be more invested in the book collection because at least with that, I wouldn't have to plug in anything. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have to make noise. Um, But yeah, definitely, we're probably veer more towards shows because at least with shows, you'd have like several hours to burn instead of just watching the same exact story in a movie for like an hour and a half yeah and then not just that but
2: the characters in the shows they kind of replace and are substitutions for real life people like real company like the reason why we love these shows is because we love being around these people we wish we could be friends with them or maybe not friends with them but yeah we enjoy them as people or characters or at least enjoy watching them so i think that's a little different than books but not for sure books i would spend some i would need a couple of books
0: Shows that will come to mind. I mean, I know it's not done yet, but Abbott Elementary will probably make me feel good. This is a burnt out. This is a burst, burnt out one, obviously. But The Office, like, you could just kind of zone out just on recycle that. recycle it. It's so burnt recycle out. Recycle it oh, over God. and over. Especially like you, like, you just see people like modeling their whole personality of like, oh, I like The Office. It's like The New Friends, but at least with Friends, you can kind of like, like, Friends kind of had a demographic. Like, The Office is like and and the fact that people are are onto it so late like i know it's like a hipster thing i know it sounds snobby especially after the
2: pandemic like
0: but but, but it's annoying it's yeah. like dude like everyone watched the office a,
2: after the pandemic
0: yeah you're like you know how long ago that show came out i remember you put the basketball episode on my yeah, ipod yeah
2: we were watching on the iPod
0: like that's how long we were on we we put we put people onto that show and like they would they stopped watching it they or they wouldn't even watch it we stopped watching yeah. it too that's yeah. funny but we, man like when it originally aired, we were on that shit. Yeah, for sure. that's funny. The basketball episode, all time the right iPod, there.
2: like the iPod had a screen. One yeah. of the one of the new, not the new, not it wasn't. It was like a third or fourth generation where they first, like the one with the first, the first one with the colored screen. Yeah, and,
0: I think it was the first one that allowed. Yeah, videos it was the first one that on allowed it. videos.
2: Yeah. And we, I just thought that was like, I thought oh, I'm done. I don't need. I won't ever need anything else more than this. This is all I'll ever need. Is a screen in my pocket because this was before phones had screens and shit yeah and uh yeah we just watched the uh, there was i don't know what else i had on there but yeah i remember i bought that episode classic episode um so you see um nick offerman his first line we hear him say is not today you new world jackbooted fucks and according to the trivia on IMDb, this was a, this was an improvised line by Nick Offerman. I don't know how true that is. You know, it's always hearsay.
0: Well, they mentioned it after the... Oh, I didn't see the after, in the after, see show. The after show. In the after show, he said... Mason said that he writes out the character's thoughts. And originally, that was the thought. And then he, Offerman uh, improvised, I'm going to say it. I'm not... This isn't... This is too good. Like, <laughs> oh, really? I want to say it. Yeah. So, originally, it was just his character's thought, you know, to help him... Like, describe guess, convey, what kind of person convey in his face and his body language what he what he was or thinking. just
2: describe what kind of person this guy is
0: yeah yeah but like it was in the it was in the notes for Offerman to read yeah obviously uh, that's hilarious and then he was like no nah, I'm just gonna say it so he improvised saying it that's no, yeah, yeah.
2: hilarious that's awesome the way yeah, yeah it's hilarious um
0: but yeah amazing wrote it but yeah that's cool. yeah I thought that was cool Especially yeah, as a writing technique I was like I'm sure a lot of people do that but I hadn't heard people
2: write out thoughts yeah I don't really see that yeah, a lot in scripts but yeah, that's I'm great sure
0: a lot of people do that yeah helpful for the actor for sure yeah, so the
2: bunkers are the, his supplies he's got guns he's got sulfuric acid which i was like what What? what is sulfuric acid used for i learned that it's it's used in lead-based ca- uh, car batteries and then explosives too so we know that ca- a car battery is like the pr- <laughs> so far in this show it's been a really <laughs> desirable remnant um so MacGuffin. <laughs> MacGuffin. Kind of. yeah. so that kind of clues you in into how this will connect back to joel a little bit he comes out of the basement an Offerman who's not primarily known for physical comedy—he re- he really leans in here. I thought like he's exaggerating every mo- movement. He's wearing the gas mask, which is a nod to the game. Uh, he's armed to the teeth. He's got ammo across his legs, across his back. I thought it was—I thought this part was hilarious, bro. The way he's just moving around so exact, like every little movement is exaggerated. Um, he probably
0: wanted to cablow a couple of his neighbors, probably <laughs> hoping they lingered around, that they got infected. But this
2: part was hilarious, and then. uh <laughs> You see him remove the mask, and his pure joy on his face, bro. Like he's never, never been happier. It, gave, it reminded me of like Kevin McAllister realizing he's got the whole house to himself. He's got like the whole town to himself, bro. This is nice yeah. neighborhood. Home too. alone like, indeed. Nice ass neighborhood. Yeah. Home alone indeed for sure.
0: Like like that. That's like a housing development you don't see nowadays. Because like
2: It look like a set. You know, where, Honestly, look like like, a like set. where
0: we live. Like your na- like uh, the new housing development in SP where Jasmine lives houses are like right next to each mm-hmm. other and in this area like they're all spread out mm-hmm. the streets are nice and mm-hmm. big Should look nice
2: dude. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been, st- i would have been stoked too. yeah yeah, hell yeah. Then, uh, so we get a survival we get a montage our first montage of the series which is cool you know i i, I like a good montage and it's over fleetwood mac song i'm coming home to stay um so basically i think the messaging behind that is that he's finally gonna He's coming home to stay for good. He's finally um, finally like comfortable at home for the first time. I, I don't know. There's a lot of meaning behind that song, I think. But me personally, I, I would have preferred Nine Inch Nails the day the whole world went away. That's one of my favorite songs. I think it would have fit perfect here. The distorted <laughs> guitar chords and Trent Reznor's shrieking vocals would have pa- paired well with the scene, I think.
0: <laughs> I wonder what I would l- want to listen to about him. It's probably something... Kendrick on some kind but of It has to be fun.
2: something where like everything's gone. Everything's it's just that's why the whole world went away. It struck yeah. me.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um he springs right in he springs right into action. It seems like he's had this planned all along. He jacks the neighbor's boat. He fills up the Heisenberg barrels with uh with that primo. He doesn't need no no more unleaded for Bill, bro. He's upgraded to Primo. Uh he goes to the everything must go sale at home depot. Breaks into the gas plant. Turns it on. Uh, Ryan Airy pointed out that this would last him a long time. A long, long time. uh, Since he is the only house in town using it. You know. So that gas supply probably lasts him forever. Um, He goes to the local. He pulls up to the local wine and spirit shop. gets a box of that Napa Valley Cabernet. Nothing but the best, bro. Nothing but the best. Uh, Next we see him firing up the generator. I don't know if you noticed this. He does like this kissing thing and points to like. The points to like the heavens before flicking it on. I don't know Mm-mm. if he's talking to his mom or if it's like, I just thought it was a funny little thing he does. But he goes like, and then he flicks it on. Fires up, just his plan. Everything's going to, going according to plan. The next thing you see him, he's, he's rigging these booby traps. So we get more Kevin McAllister vibes here. Uh, you now see that he's built up the fence. That's where he got the materials for the fence at Home Depot. He's got this whole fence rigged up. Um, and then we see, like, okay, where's he going to get his food? Not only does he have a garden, not only does he have a chicken coop, he's got a motherfucking slaughterhouse. He's has <laughs> Yeah, did? he's drying out, like, some sort of game in this little, like, shelter. Yeah. That. And that's, yeah. that's how... He, the next scene, you see him, he's cooking up that ribeye steak. Um, yeah, cooking it up perfectly with some, some veggies and some potatoes. It looks like a Michelin five-star meal. He sits down to eat takes his first bite, savors it. Mm. So like he's living his best life right now. Uh he gets an alert on the security cam, you, you know, he flicks on which camera it is. You see that this infected wandered onto the wrong compound. Uh sets off the tripwire, the tr- it triggers a gun and with perfect aim to a headshot. I thought that was a little uh I thought that was a little convenient that it was just like how did he know, how how did he know that infected would be this tall? Cuz yeah. it was like a perfect headshot. Um but a little bit convenient, but Nah, what did you think of this whole sequence? It kind
0: of reminded me, uh, it gave me like some Zombieland one vibes. Yeah. I I say one because I've seen parts of two and it's terrible. Um, but yeah, Zombieland one like comedic, but also like super survivalist type of approach. Yeah, He's, yeah. it's it, was, it, was it funny. doesn't he, after
2: it. he sees the infected get their head blown off, it doesn't get old. He says <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So.
0: He's been waiting for this moment. I mean you could tell just in his demeanor. Yeah.
2: He's he's been validated, right? With all his yeah, fear validated. Like everything exactly. he's been preparing for. People have probably been telling him he's full of shit for his whole life. And yeah. he was right. He ended up being right. I mean up to a certain point. Yeah. Um so then we flash forward four years, new song. It's uh uh the song is White Room by Cream. It's kind of like a kind of like a more seventies era song, I think. Uh, one of the lyrics is i'll wait in this place where the sun never shines uh i thought that was kind of poignant um you see that the don't tread on me flag is he's like he's kind of um he's working on something in the basement and then you see the don't tread on me flag and a little history on this damn don't tread on me flag uh if, if you don't mind it features a rattlesnake coiled above the expression on a yellow background it was first flown on a warship in 1775 as a, as a battle cry for American independence from the British rule. It's credited to Christopher Gatson, a soldier and politician from South Carolina, apparent slave owner, so, so not, not a good look uh, if you see this flag fly, flying around. The snake was an established symbol for America at the time. Benjamin Franklin notably used it, saying that the rattlesnake never backed down when provoked, which captured the temper and conduct of America at that point. So even Ben Franklin endorsed this. Uh, flag at that time but it's kind of been just dist- its meaning has been distorted since since the two thousand two thousand tens. 2010s it, it became increasingly politicized and been adopted by conservative and, and libertarian groups um, since some of the since supporters of these groups have been accused of racism critics view the flag and motto as an expression of bigotry so it kind of uh again it's an efficient way of kind of telling you who this guy is he's not the greatest guy i guess um this isn't exactly like a Confederate flag, but it's kind of almost just as bad. What did you think? Yeah, I was about to yeah.
0: say that. I was going to say it's like a a, a more a- aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing Confederate flag, and, and I guess a little less worse or bad. Yeah, it's not
2: as bad, but
0: me <laughs> honestly, like I'm not gonna lie, it looks pretty.
2: <laughs> no, the but, artist got down. The graphic artist got yeah. down. <laughs>
0: yeah, but um. Yeah, it's 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 a a more subtle, I guess, Confederate flag, yeah. a little more c- creative approach behind it, yeah. I guess. Um, it's on par with that. So I mean.
2: as he's working on with whatever he's working on in the basement, the security a security alert goes off. He goes outside, checks it out. Um, you hear someone shouting out from one of the holes. So I get, it looked like I'm guessing it was like a trap, right? Like with like a false ground, and someone just fell into it. Yeah, they show him him making yeah.
0: it in one of the montage scenes. Oh, that's scenes. right. They show him like covering it with like fake, uh, moss. Like, yeah. fake moss. fake moss. I wasn't I'm sure
2: going. if that was that same hole or not.
0: Yeah, that's what he was making. Uh,
2: you hear someone say, "I'm not infected." It's 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 Frank, uh, who will later learn is Frank. He asks if he's harm if he's armed, and he takes a little long to answer. And uh, you know, Frank at- or Bill asks him, "Why'd you take so long to answer?" And Frank decides to be honest. He's like, "I don't know. I just..." couldn't think of a lie so right from the jump frank makes this decision to be honest and i think that's intentional and i think it's sort of um tells us what to expect from this character he's a very honest very open very vulnerable character the fact that he decides right right away to be honest um we learn a little bit more about frank he he started out with ten people, and he ended up by himself, so that just shows you he's probably seeing some shit. He was at the baltimore q z which is now gone. He's looking for the boston q z um he kind of braces himself and then you see that bill hoist down a ladder, and uh it's kind of a sweet moment. You see that Bill has an infected tracker and and Frank asked him like, "How'd you get that uh We never really get to learn how he got that, but I'm sure that that was in, that was there's an interesting story there um it it flashes green so you know that frank's not sick bill points him to boston frank says he's hungry but you know bill doesn't want to feed him every every, if i feed you he says he says if i feed you every bum you talk to is going to show up here looking for a free lunch and this is not an arby's (laughs) i thought it was a funny moment because as you as we all know frank says uh arby's didn't have free lunch it was a restaurant i thought that was hilarious um (laughs) my awareness i've never had arby's bro I, I don't i think you said you may have had it once but my awareness of it begins and ends with the commercials voiced by none other than our boy bing rames aka melvin we yeah. have the meats bill
0: i think he, i think he does burger king now too at least it sounds yeah, like maybe. him. if it's not him it's someone doing a bing rames impression yeah. because it sounds just like him but yeah go ahead Tim. no no melvin the goat.
2: the goat uh and as we as we learn and Bill certainly has the meats in more, in more ways than one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought this uh, this scene was really, really well done, really funny, interesting way to leap or as a leaping point for their relationship. Kind of made me think who who is saving who, you know, Bill finds Frank in a hole, but it's Bill who was in a hole. Right. Uh, I don't know if I'm reaching there or what, but it seems like Frank is the one who is really saving Bill. Uh, as we'll later get to see, I just thought it was the the symbolism of him being in a hole. They're both in holes, uh, just different types of holes, and they both kind of save each other in different ways. I thought that was um, that's kind of what I took away from it after thinking about it for a minute.
0: Yeah, and then Frank is is able to deduce so much. He's able to just read him like yeah. a book. I mean, I, I remember Mason even said in the after show thing that. As soon as they make eye contact, he kind of already. Yeah, he said knows, that's like, when he
2: knew they asked him.
0: He kind of already knows what he can do to get himself out of the hole, yeah. basically, more ways than one.
2: But yeah. So next scene, we're inside the house. Frank's taking a shower. Bill brings him some clothes. Uh, lets him know, you know, I brought some clothes out here. Frank asks if he could have a few more minutes because this is amazing. I, I never really get to enjoy showers anymore because I'm always either like in a rush or I feel guilty about wasting water. Or or running up the water bill, which I have to pay for around here. <laughs> but but a lingered shower is one of those underappreciated luxuries. You know, like we don't, I don't always get to really appreciate a shower. But there is certain showers hit different, especially after like a workout or after a long day or at night when it's cold out. You know what I'm saying, bro? Do you,
0: yeah, that's what I thought yeah. about right now too. I was thinking about like showers after at the gym after a good workout when the when the fucking shower is actually clean. Oh, yeah and when it's actually giving you like good temperature water then yeah but most of the time uh, sh- not anti shout out to 24 hour fitness cuz they fucking showers are always musty oh, yeah, and gross. one of them's always messed up or dirty yeah. but yeah like when it's when it's on point at least after a good workout at the gym then yeah those are those are the best and then it's nice knowing you're not it's not your own water yeah.
2: either <laughs> frank asks um or Frank asks if he could have a few more minutes and Bill answers, sure. But he says in a really low voice and then he quickly realizes that Frank can't hear him. So then he has to shout it out. And this just made me think that it's probably been so long since Bill has spoken out loud to anyone, let alone like have to shout through doors. It was just a really I wonder if that was like an acting choice or an improvised choice by Offerman to like for that little moment, you know, and then you see him looking longingly at the shower. And that was my first time that I kind of clocked him as perhaps being gay. Like I didn't have no idea. But the way he looks at the shower, it made me maybe sad. Like Offerman was doing some really incredible nonverbal acting here with just the way he looks at the shower and that whole little scene. Um, Next scene, we see Frank. He's, he's freshly showered. He's sitting at the dining table. He's looking around. He's in awe. I can't believe what he's seeing. He's probably been years since he's seen like uh, the inside of a house that wasn't ravaged or condemned. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it's he's tripping out on all of it. But then he gets a little closer, he sees that there's dust, and he's kind of (laughs) like, I thought it was just funny that he's kind of like disgusted by the dust, that even in this post-apocalyptic world, uh, he's kind of disgusted by the dust. But that just kind of shows you, kind of hints to you what type of person Frank is, and that he seems like the type of person who would like things tidy, and we'll learn later on that that's exactly what it is, but you kind of get hints of it here.
0: Yeah, and then we learn later on why he likes things mm-hmm. tidy, like his interpretation of the value of of keeping things clean and pristine and all yeah.
2: that. uh next you see Bill come crashing into the room. He has that swinging door, kinda reminded me of, like the swinging door we used to have here. Uh sometimes you don't know how fast that thing is gonna swing, but he I didn't notice this the first time watching it, but he kinda almost trips and it it's like again more physical comedy from Offerman. I took it took this as him being nervous maybe about presenting dinner. Did you notice how he like tripped and like kind of Crashed into the room, no, I didn't yeah. notice that, but i
0: probably I been you.
2: probably because he was nervous uh he basically catches Frank like you know standing up inspecting thing, and he and he looks at him really dubiously, he's like kind of suspicious, and then he pre- probably a little embarrassed yeah. too yeah. and then he presents dinner, rotates the plate, as you know, presentation is a major key as someone who likes to cook food for other people. I appreciated this nice touch here. It's important how you present the food um um. Yeah, then we learned that the that the, the dinner's rabbit. So it's, rabbit is considered a, a delicacy in French, Italian, and Chinese cuisines. It's kind of like a tender, gamey meat, but people say it's really it's really delicious. Um, Frank is smiling. <laughs> the way Frank smiles up at him after he shows in the play, he just he can't believe it. It's like he's seen God for the first time or something. I thought, again, this whole exchange was hilarious. I thought there was so much humor and comedy and joy. In these first couple of moments between Bill and Frank, and the way that Frank just smiles up, it's funny.
0: He's probably just beside himself. He's like, "I can't believe like I, like this is this is a jackpot yeah, he, right here, Holy Grail." I, was, I fell into a hole, <laughs> but like little it was like the Holy Grail <laughs> of a hole.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, I, he probably I, I would have been pinching myself. I would have thought, "No way, I'm alive. I must have died and gone to heaven." But, yeah, yeah, probably, um, yeah. Anyway, someone who, like I said, someone who enjoys cooking for other people, I was was envious of, of, I was more envious of Bill than Frank in this moment because there's no higher compliment than what the fuck after you serve somebody. Okay, bro? So from now on, anytime I cook for you, your response, if your response is anything short of what the fuck, I'm going to consider that plate a failure.
0: I'm always creative (laughs) on my responses. I'm better than dad. All dad says is it was good. It's good. Yeah. good
2: i i but, or or uh,
0: that's the worst co- we always mom always tells us that too and i always tell people when i have an opportunity like if you ever want to compliment so- on something that someone made you or you know something intimate whatever the worst compliment you can give is good yeah you know i mean you can it, it depends that you can surround good with not a better sentiment but if you just say good on its own and don't elaborate yeah, or might as well say yourself, this with like, yeah exactly it'd be better to just say it was bad <laughs> than just say oh yeah it was good like what do you mean by that it's so yeah It's so um what's the word
2: passive aggressive dull it's just a dull oh, statement yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah or or whenever we ask dad i ate it that's the that's one notch below good <laughs> how was it i ate it wow <laughs> uh, but bill's a little modest he says of course it's good you've been starving he's like no this is really good uh, Frank you know wants to really make sure Bill knows he loves it and then we see Bill pour the wine he displays the label it's a bourgeois which is a perfect pairing with a rabbit Uh, which Frank's clock uh, Bill says I don't seem like the type Frank says no actually you do seem like the type and like you said Frank clocked him from the jump and you could tell exactly yeah. what was going on um, Bill offers him more he's like there's more Real giving real Mexican mom grandma energy right here right bro <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Frank is like, nah, he's stuffed. Probably hasn't been stuffed since 'o three, like this, and uh, he just can't. He just can't have another bite. And he says, you know, okay, well, I guess I better be going. But before he does, walks over to the piano. We learn it's a 1948 antique. You know what these are are currently worth, bro? For a couple grand. Or not? Currently, nothing. Oh, <laughs> that's what he said in the show, huh? Yeah. You have any idea what this is worth? Bill says, "Currently, nothing." Uh, Frank is not a fan of classical music. Furry Lease catching strays here. Beethoven catching strays. Baby Olivia would take issue. She lo- she loves that one, bro. Yeah, really. It's that. Uh... Oh my god, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. So uh... Frank is not a fan, and Frank already presumes to know Bill. I thought this was a nice touch. He's like, "These aren't yours." Like, nah, and then he pulls out the best of Linda Linda Ronstadt, and he says, this is you. I thought that was a really nice touch that already they have such a rapport, and Frank knows like he knows, Frank feels like he knows Bill. Um, You were asking for more Hispanic cultural integration here, bro, and and here it is. So as we know, or as most people might not know, Linda Ronstadt is part Mexicana. Her dad was half Mexican. They immigrated from Sonora, which is a Mexican state that borders the U.S. along Arizona. Uh, she sings in perfect Spanish. I don't know if people have heard her Spanish songs. Maybe we'll um feature like a, a, a show note where to where to look up her her ranchetta music. But she's really she speaks sings and speaks in perfect Spanish. Um she's still like nah, she yeah. uh there was a a documentary about her. She had some kind of illness towards the end of her life. But mom watched
0: I think they might have mentioned that in that um Laurel Canyon documentary mm. I watched of the mom and
2: dad. And uh, so Frank jumps on the keys. He comes in way too hot. And Frank uh, uh, Bill says, no, 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 no. You're you're doing it all wrong. Frank says, what the fuck? I'm not a professional. And, and then Bill jumps on the keys, says, scoot over. Let me take this. And his his rendition is much gentler. He's not a great singer, as we see, but it doesn't matter. So a little background on this song that's sung here and what the episode is titled after long long time it's a song about a a love relationship that never began in the lyrics ronstadt confesses that she is deeply in love with the man but he never returned it therefore she reflects on all the aspects of love that she will never know missing a love story that never was so that's kind of the background of the song not it doesn't apply to what happens with bill and frank here they actually fall in love but it kind of shows just what might have been if the Outbreak never happened, maybe. I'm not sure what why they decided to choose that song. I think Mazin may have talked about it in the after show. I haven't seen that yet.
0: He talked about it on the uh podcast. I haven't listened listened to to the podcast, podcast. yeah. I forgot what he said though. But he mentioned that he had like a homie who was was either a musician or tapped into all that, like like music, like a basically like a music expert homie. Mm. And he, he explained to him like the kind of song he wanted for the for the show and for the script. And he said like he immediately oh okay cool responded within like a couple minutes with also, this. So it wasn't Mason's
2: and, idea. Oh cool. No.
0: I mean it was it was his idea to right. find a song right. like it. But that, that, that's so funny because I was thinking about it too. Watching the breakdowns, I was like, I wonder how they get songs like like you know like it's pretty obvious when they want a song to tie it in 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 a show or movie or whatever when they want a song to tie into the the story like i wonder how often like if there's ever a case where they're like we need a song like where the, where someone who wrote it didn't have the song already you get what mm-hmm. i'm saying and they're like we need a song that conveys this as opposed cuz cuz in my assumption i figure like they would probably already have a song in mind if they're writing a scene for it or they're writing a whole story like to con- conceptualize what they're trying to get across in their script but so i thought it was interesting to think, like someone writing it, they're like, "Fuck, I don't know what song I want to pick, though." That's something
2: you know? probably put like on the back burner if you're a writer. Like yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you know, you you might like note down what what notes you want to hit or what themes you want to hit, um, and then move on, and then figure out where I'll I'll deal with this later. Otherwise, you can get too kind of um, you can get hung up on trying to pick the perfect song.
0: Yeah, I guess with me in my mind, it it would just seem to, because I, I I like music. Yeah. And I see it as like an art form or whatever, but I guess it was easier for me to think that someone would start with a song and then surround the story around that to encompass the, the, or the scene or whatever around that to encompass the song as opposed to the opposite. So I thought that was interesting that he, he, uh, seeked out, um, somebody to like basically tell him the perfect yeah. song to convey the in this story
2: so then we see bill perform the song it's not great but that's kind of the point it's very raw very vulnerable um another show that did this is the leftovers justin Thoreau in one of the final seasons he does like this karaoke song i forget what the song is but it's very bad the guy can't not sing but it's one of the most like emotionally uh piercing moments of that series just because he's seen it was so much like feeling you know and the fact that it's not yeah. good Almost strengthens the performance, and that's kind of what happens here. It's not terrible, but you know, Offerman is not a singer. Um
0: Yeah, they mentioned that on the yeah. podcast too. That, that that that's the that whole dynamic is what made him laugh because they were saying Murray Bartlett can't sing. Oh, really? Sing. So
2: he had to like fake and, bad singing. So
0: and and Nick Offerman it definitely cannot. But in this instance, we had to make sure Murray did not sing well, and Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like it, he got it over got one over on him by singing a funny. lot better
2: than him yeah uh, you see that frank is like deeply moved because he can see everything about bill you could tell that all, he's been repressed or he's been he's had to hide so like you could see frank just get like he just downloads all of bill's history i feel like in this moment and he's and he's moved and he asks, you know who's the girl bill says there is no girl frank says i know what and they kiss and you see the first, so this is the first time they kiss and it's not until after they kiss. I didn't realize this, that they don't even ask their name. This is the first time that they exchange names is after they've had dinner after they've kissed. Um, and then you realize that, uh, and then they, they go upstairs.
0: Well, Bill says I'm yeah. Bill, doesn't he? But Frank had already told him his name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, yeah. f- so it was only Bill. Who All right. Had it, good call. It. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, no, I'm yeah, I think sure. yeah, you're I didn't right. watch the episode again. I'm pretty like sure you're you right. Yeah. Um. So then they go upstairs. Frank tells Bill he Frank needs does. to take a shower. As he comes out, you realize that this is not only Bill's first time with a man, but it's basically his first time ever. He says he's done it once, one, one time before with a girl, so it's basically his first time ever. And Offerman plays that really well, reminding me of Moonlight. You know, it's like a really vulnerable, sad kind of yeah, definitely touching Moonlight moment. Moonlight really. yeah. Sure. Um so that they they, before they before they sleep together frank says i'm not a whore i'm gonna stay a couple days is that okay and and bill's like yes yes it's very okay um but then as you see three years pass and and frank is still there um kind of a like a little bit of a whiplash because right after that really intimate scene in the bed it jumps straight to three years later 2007 and the first thing you hear is frank screaming oh fuck you and it's kind of like an emotional whiplash, but I think it was intentional, and it really kind of, uh, kind of like I said, gives you whiplash. But it's an, it's very purposeful, and it just kind of show you. It's there to show you like the ups and downs of their relationship, and I think it says a lot by yeah. Jumping
0: and it immediately validates that he wasn't just there to get um, fed and all that. He he wasn't busting a Lucia from white lotus <laughs> yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on no, bill she, he wasn't playing her no. she was he, she wasn't playing i never got even that
2: sense he, did you or, or i never got that sense
0: well, well considering how i knew the game was gonna end i was kind of mm. worried like i don't know how this is mm-hmm. gonna end it's know? much
2: different in the game we, we'll talk about yeah that.
0: exactly so i was like uh, he's and especially considering how quickly he was able to read him you know i was worried that maybe he was just gonna dip out with some supplies or yeah. something
2: so they're arguing over Fr- because Frank wants to give the house a new coat of paint. He wants to mow the lawn. But uh, Bill won't allow it. You know, he, he points to resource management as a reason. And Frank is like losing his mind, basically. He's kind of going stir crazy. And he says, if you mention resource management, I'll run through one of your trip wires. And Bill's like, no, no, no. So you see that, that Bill has really come to care about Frank. This, whole, this is like a perfectly written scene, in my opinion, because it tells you so much about where they're at how they feel about each other. Their dynamic is much different than it was in the previous scene. And then this is where Frank kind of preaches about his whole philosophy on life and what, it, what it, what's valuable and what's important. He says, quote, paying attention to things is how we show love. I so thought that was a really beautiful line and something that uh, I subscribe to personally. He wants to fix up the shop, the wine shop, furniture store, clothing boutique, uh bill says are we hosting formal garden parties now and and frank says no but that's actually exactly what happens (laughs) like in the next scene is this formal or maybe not necessarily formal but basically a little garden party with tess and joel um uh, frank says you know he wants to have friends he's met he's talked to a nice woman on the radio right away i was like oh fuck yeah nice we're gonna see tess um so not only is like frank like I said preserved his personality and his essence but he's kind of made it stronger and he's trying to spread it and share it I thought that spoke a lot to about his spirit as a as a as a as a person like it's not just enough for him to survive he wants to enjoy life um, and really make the most of it especially if they're one of the few who have survived um, this made me think of, of how how, like I said I subscribe to this idea of paying attention to things as a way of showing love, or as a way of like um, achieving like mental balance and and happiness, like a pleasing environment, it really does have like a profound effect on like productivity and happiness. This has been proven over time. People set up their workstations next to a window or next to a plant. All these things have had have, have t.Here's been studies that have proven that this is really important stuff. Even David Lynch says has like one of the one of the, one of the things he needs. In, this, in in order to be creative is like a, uh, a really curated, creative space, like decluttered, clean, spacious, The, the like the more pure the environment, the more fantastic the interior world can be as a quote from Lynch, um, kind of, kind of makes me think of like, it's important to make your bed, you know, like, like, uh, it's helpful to kind of keep things tidy, at least for me. It's, this isn't the same for everyone, but I just thought that, that, uh, I didn't used to think like this, honestly, until maybe like a few, like a few years ago. I, I was always just clean and tidy because our parents kind of drilled that into us. But as I grew up and I moved out and stuff, uh, I realized that, yeah, it, it gives me peace of mind to know I have a clean room or, to know, I have, uh, I, you know, a clean house or whatever. Um, so that's kind of what going on a tangent there. But that's kind of what Frank is saying, that these little things are important, you know.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of aspects to it. There's a lot of arguments that like or points that can be made in relation to that idea of keeping a tidy environment. Like a couple key kind of burnt out phrases that come to mind are like less is more type of mentality and then going back to what Frank said about taking care of things like actions speak louder than words. Showing not telling, you know, it's one thing to tell someone you love them, but to show them it means so much more, especially in the age of social media and stuff. People get so fixated on, on someone's words and they and they really think that the person behind those words is capable of of everything they're saying. And sometimes, yeah, sure it is, but most of the time it's not. We're constantly putting up a the best version of ourselves for people to see. But it's only when people see you in your actual environment that they can really, you know, have a better idea of the type of person you are. I guess in in this instance, they're living in a bubble, right? So they have the luxury of taking time, and because they have all the resources they need. Most people in this world, all that is out the door. That's not an option. It's survival. Survival is the only option, you know. Keeping things tidy, that think that can get you killed. Yeah, you know. But since they have this luxury, it's it's. Uh, he's trying to convey to him that like we're living in this bubble and why not exactly. take advantage of of at least returning to some kind of normalcy yeah. but like i hate that that saying of return to normalcy cuz it makes me think of the pandemic and stuff but in this instance i mean it, you would want that more than anything because if if you've basically cracked the code on survival why wouldn't you want to return to some kind of form of of productive and insightful and i guess fulfilling living as opposed to just surviving oh, yeah, for sure
2: well, yeah. well said bro um, yeah yeah it's like it goes back to that bible verse too like faith without works is dead it kind of made me think of that like y- you can't just have the spirit of survival you actually have to enact it put it into action and one way you can yeah. do that is by taking care of your environment yeah
0: and he's also kind of challenging his whole um his whole identity in a sure. way 'Cause he's basically telling him like this is what you've always wanted, but I'm trying to explain to you that we can create something more and also it goes back to that old couple's relationship type of saying you have to compromise. Yeah. So he's basically requesting his his oh him to compromise and explaining like that it's not just for, for his benefit and that it could also be for um Bill's benefit as well if he just opens his heart to, to something that his mind and his heart to something that he's longed kind of made dormant and kind of come to terms with, with his hatred of people and distrust of people in general, Yeah, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. I I just love that whole argument. It tells you exactly where, who these people are, who they want to be, where they, where they differ, how they're alike, things like that. Um, Really well written scene. The next scene we see is the actual garden party that was alluded to in the previous scene. Joel and Tess are coming over. They got they got visitors. You see uh, you see Bill is pointing the gun at Joel. Frank asks him, can you not please? I thought that was hilarious. He's just sitting there pointing the gun at Joel. And Joel's like, I'm the same way. And Frank's like A paranoid schizophrenic. And he's like, I don't know. Small talk has really changed, bro. Post outbreak. No longer can people relate to each other through music or movies, but it's through their broken faith in humanity or anything good.
0: Yeah. Also kind of reminded me of Fleischman, like when they had those dinner parties and Toby's constantly being a dick and kind of embarrassing his wife. And it's like as much as it's 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 like a more extreme version of a of a dinner party that, that no one wants
2: to be at. Yeah, passive aggressive <laughs> comments have been replaced with uh, guns. Yeah. Pointing guns at people. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and the
0: one guy who can't fake it literally instead of him just being sassy, he
2: has to have a gun yeah. at the table. But Joel <laughs> tries to level with him says, "Hey man, I understand. I'm the same way." I thought that was funny too. Yeah, that was nice. And then you see Tess, she looks so different, right? She looks so beautiful and like she's she's not beat up and she's younger and uh I, I just thought that that little that we see her in this light was really nice that we get to see her this way hopefully we see more of her um frank invites tess inside bill warns against it but frank defies him disobedient kind of just shows you more of their dynamic and as uh once once um bill and joel are alone at the table bill cocks the gun you see him actually cock the gun so this motherfucker's not playing around i thought that was funny uh Joel says he understands that he'd probably be the same way. He 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 he's hesitant to call Tess his. He almost says like I'd be the same way if someone came in, or I'm the same way with my. And then he kind of stops himself. So, yeah, he would have yeah. said lady, yeah. girlfriend.
0: Um, and he just says yeah.
2: mine. <laughs> <laughs> like a damn caveman. Um, mine. It's weird. he he says we're decent people. And that's kind of a juxtaposed against what Tess had told Ali in the last episode that they're bad people. So you realize that a lot has happened between then and now. They went from decent people to bad people. Um, Joel, Pro- or, or
0: or it also could point to like how they're able to kind of code yeah, switch, yeah. because I'm sure Tess kind of got Frank to, you know, sell, in, for lack of better words, like kind of sell sell him on sell her on the idea of them meeting up like what can you provide like what do you have that I don't have type of thing so then once right. and that probably could be why she looked nicer mm-hmm. too because she probably figured like I'm not gonna I, I have to look trustworthy I have to look because I, I, I thought that was interesting too I thought about that I was like and and it, it would make, it wouldn't make sense that closer to the actual like day of, of the outbreak in 23 or 2003 like why is it now that they're kind of more approachable and stuff so they kind of they probably you know kind of coached each other a up little at, bit at, bit at, yeah putting on a little bit it definitely seemed like joel was putting on yeah for sure but
2: what's he have to gain other yeah. than i don't know if he's if his plan was to move into the neighborhood or it's just to make tess happy but bill really has nothing to give him maybe other oh, guns i guess uh,
0: not, they, they they talked about all the supplies that they had and when I was playing the game too there is a couple of dialogues when they're like oh Bill has some supplies or, or Bill didn't he hasn't contacted me yet yeah, about I think supplies. it's guns
2: because later on we learned that Frank yeah. struck, struck a deal for some strawberries through trading with a gun so I think it's just mainly yeah. the guns and maybe some supplies but Joel says you know there's things that he can give him supplies as well books yeah. medicine machine parts um I thought it was funny when, uh, once, I forgot to mention, once Frank walks away, Joel says, So, what are you, some kind of prepper? And, and Bill's like, No, I'm a survivalist. I thought that was a prepper. I thought that was funny. How how they how they kind of, uh, I guess that's not a, a term of endearment in that community, prepper. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill is kind of, even though after Joel offers these supplies, Bill still doesn't want no part of it. He's denies it, says he's self sufficient. And then, the, But the one thing that seems to may have gone to him, Joel notices corrosion on the fence, says he can get high-quality aluminum that'll last the rest of their lives. Um, I, th- I read on IMDb Trivia that this actually isn't survivor knowledge, that Joel only knows this from working in construction. Yeah, I, I got oh, that immediately. Yeah, I didn't notice that, so yeah. that, that, that was cool, nice detail. And uh, the next scene, they're saying their goodbyes. Seems like Frank and Tess are really hitting it off. So we learned that the radio codes were Frank's idea. I thought that was a nice touch. So again, like the show creators are not glossing over anything. They kind of want, they they go out of their way to explain the origin of things that are touched on in, in each episode. Um I just really love that the the care that they're delivering the sto- the story with, you know.
0: Yeah, and I like when shows do that when they they basically they tell you the conclusion of something without um you know, introducing it or you see the origin it. later. Yeah, 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 you see the origin later, and they do that a lot in the that's game cool. too. I love that. So well, that oh, yeah. that makes it feel more like the game yeah, that's as well. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Uh,
2: Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul do that a lot. You learn about something, and then you learn how it came to be afterward.
0: Yeah, but with like little, yeah, with like little subtle things, like 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 not an entire like episode. Like Breaking Bad, they did the the black and white and purple um, little figure. For like several yeah. episodes, yeah. right? So, I, I like when it's just a quick line mm-hmm. of dialogue, like real subtle, yeah. real quick, because C- it's it's almost like a reward for yeah, listening. For sure. You know, it it shows you like, well, here's a little treat. I guess you're paying yeah, attention. Yeah, it, it
2: involves <laughs> the audience, and it show it gives yeah. you a sense that you're participating and that you're going along with the story. It kind of, yeah. it kind of pulls you into the story. Like I said, it makes you feel more involved and sort of enriches the the whole experience of watching it. I love stuff like that. Um Joel, you know, keeps pushing, so he really wants these guns I think cuz he warns Bill that the fence will protect against the infected. Fedra's not going to bother them, but there's going to be raiders. They're they're going to come at night and they're going to come armed. And Bill says, you know, we'll be fine. And uh so we'll see if who's right. They say their goodbyes for now. We flash forward another 3 years. We see that Joel was right. Again, Joel's right a lot. The fence has corroded, as Joel had predicted. Uh, but now Bill has it barricaded with a bunch of junk cars. Um, so it was a cool little detail there again. They flash they it's just a quick shot of like the fence and a bunch of junk cars. And then you see that Bill and Frank are jogging and uh and Bill's kind of lagging ass. <laughs> and uh Frank says he wants to surprise him in the garden. They walk over to the garden, he's covering his eyes, a very sweet moment. And uh he realizes that that um Frank has been growing strawberries. Bill's like, how? How did you do this? And he says he traded with, with Joel and Tess and he, for a gun. And right away, Bill's like, which gun? And he's like, a little gun, a little one. <laughs> I love yeah, him. a little one. That line of dialogue, that's a funny. little one. Just, again, really great, efficient writing. Tells you exactly who Frank is, who Bill is.
0: Yeah, his little gun dojo so armory or whatever reminded me of uh, Big Daddy's from Kick-Ass. Just oh, fucking- that's right. Bunch uh, of crazy ass guns that's everywhere. Right. That's the first thing that's I thought funny. of. Shout out, Kick-Ass. fucking tight.
2: They have this very sweet moment in the garden, you know, and just uh really leans into that moment. They take their time with it, just trying to remind you, remind the audience of that we should be more appreciative of of these things, because one day they might not be here. And I try to remember that, especially during the pandemic. I think everyone's calibration on what's important was reset, and but even you know, it's quick. It's funny how we kind of fall back on old habits where we're, we're kind of back where we were before the pandemic in a lot of ways we're complaining about the same silly shit getting mad at our family members for the same silly things and and uh, it's kind of a shame that that happens but this served as a nice reminder that these simple little pleasures are really what make life meaningful especially if you can share them with someone you love and someone you care about and uh, yeah. everything that the scene was saying it said so much but I, I, that's what I took away yeah. from it really
0: yeah, and it just popped in my head right now too. But also, like, the luxury of of having people who want to do those jobs of like oh, yeah. farm workers, you know. So like, within a, in a, there'd be no need for that in the middle of a pandemic or in the in this world because it'd just be too dangerous. So like, shout out to them for too real. because it's a super, it's a very hard job, you know, working in in the fields and stuff like that, and and it goes to show you how hard and and. and the type of manpower and the care and all that that's required is yeah. needed, is required to get it to our table. Our so, and I, I, follow United farm workers on Twitter. Oh, so yeah, I, I, do see too. I, I don't see them as yeah. much on
2: the timeline. What the fuck? Elon, this algorithm isn't serving me, but yeah. I, I unfollowed so many people see, recently, but I do follow them yeah. and I see them every once in a while. And yeah, shout out to, to those people for, for a good call, bro. Um, bill apologizes to frank says i'm sorry for getting older frank's like what are you talking about older is good i like you older older means we're still here and then you see frank say one of one of the most powerful uh, lines in the, in the episode this one got to me more than than any other line probably where he says i i was never afraid before you showed up Um, there's a lot of really great touching lines but this one really got to me and it said so much and it reminded me of the of the exchange in Andor when Marva and Cassian are arguing and Cassian says like I'll be well, he said I I wrote it down here. He says something like Um Um I won't have peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. And Mara says, That's just love. Nothing you can do about that. It it just reminded me of like kind of the burden of loving someone right you hear parents talk about this once they have kids like it's just if you're suddenly at the same time you have such a new joy and appreciation for life but then you have this newfound fear that's constant ever present it's the same way when you fall in love with someone you're you're so happy and 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 over the moon that you found someone and that you're in love with someone but now what comes with that is this new fear of losing them and it's through balancing that out and trying to live with both of those conflicting feelings at the same time that makes love so powerful and special and, and kind of scary at the same time. So I just thought that's it. Yeah. It's, it was just a really good line.
0: The, the scary aspect of it is, is amplified in this world so much more too. And it connects back to what I was saying earlier about the, the general theme of the whole first game. And this story is like what, how love is like what kind of motivator love can be in this mm-hmm. environment right so when there's no sta- like restrictions and there's no laws that becomes um a tricky thing and it, it becomes a dangerous thing that when once we get deeper into the story yeah and and it it is nice um writing as well because it goes to show you that like that bill he basically was saying he wasn't even really afraid to yeah. die you he, he almost welcomed mm-hmm. death and was willing to kill or, or do what he had to do is he wanted to go out guns blazing almost and the once Frank came along, he opened him up to hold another um type of living yeah and he 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 embraced the side of him that that um that uh or Frank embraced the side of bill that that Bill like he basically long dormented as well. And I was gonna say earlier, um, you can almost read into the, the basement being his his closeted homosexuality as well because it's like he he hid it so deep down and it wasn't until someone like Frank came along and even their circumstances in this world and a lot of people were saying on Twitter too that at this time um gay marriage wasn't yeah. legal so it it all kind of connects, and it's 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 really smart writing as
2: well. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. There's like a lot of literal symbolism in how they were really living their lives. The fact that that Bill was so repressed and had to live in hiding and not be able to show himself, and now that the, the outbreak happened, you see him outside and you see him in a garden and being able to really live in the daylight. Like the first time we're introduced to Bill, he's underground. He's mm-hmm. lit by Mont Shields' or TV screens. I'm sorry, and then you you know ju- juxtapose against this scene where the sun is shining behind them, and he's out in the open. It's just crazy that it wasn't until the outbreak happened that he was able to fully realize himself. I thought that's so brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. So the next scene is is the raider attack. So Joel's right again. Frank is asleep in bed. He's awakened by gunfire. Pfft, kinds of shit going off. Like shit was going off. And contrary to what I said earlier when Joel mentioned shooting and missing, we do get a shootout here. Like a pretty a, a pretty gotcha crazy shootout. It looked great. Like the flames and the silhouettes upon second viewing. I was like, oh shit, this looks like a real action movie for a minute. Um, Bill's traps are like working perfectly. Like people are on fire. They're getting electrocuted. But there's a lot of them um bill's out Mm -hmm. in the street he's he's shooting at him frank calls over to him he gets frank uh, bill gets distracted and gets shot um he might have got shot anyway but it would have been tragic if if bill you know i'm sure frank felt guilty about that right then in that moment the fact that he kind of distracted him and got him shot he brings him inside it looks really bad he's bleeding like a mug um right away bill says call joel He actually says it. He actually says call Joel three different times here. And and again, like efficient story or efficient writing tells you so much about their relationship and what's happened since the last time we saw Joel. Um, Seems like Bill's really come around to trusting Joel. And he's the first person he thinks of in this moment. Right. He's like, call Joel. You can't be here alone. He'll take care of you. Um, It just like I said, it just I I love that he said call Joel. And it was just so um, convincing. You know, you bought I bought into it right away. like compared to where we left off with them. And then the next scene, they never even share a scene again together, Mm -mm. but it just tells us like credit to the actors for delivering that so convincingly and to the writing, all of it. I I just really love the way he was saying, call Joel really effective and and convincing.
0: And then a a later scene brings it more together, but yeah.
2: Um, And then it fades out. You don't really see, you're not really sure what happens before the scene fades out, but we get the last time jump it's 10 years later uh they're both alive thank goodness <laughs> um they're old men now they're much older uh but it's frank who's in a wheelchair and he's very sickly we don't really know what it is but they say it was it might have been mls or some sort of um some sort of like nervous system uh, disease that affects like motor skills but he's in a wheelchair He's he's, he's very sickly This is the first time you see you learn that Frank was a painter. You see him painting. Um, They do. They cut to little frames of his supplies. You see a cool painting of Joel. I don't know if you remember that painting of Joel. Yeah, one
0: time. Yeah, it looked like concept art from the game. So sick. I love that.
2: Yeah. Um, but Frank seems to like not like he's not having a great time. He's having trouble holding the brushes. Bill is outside. Now Bill's watering the plants. So again, it shows you how much how far along he's how far he's come um in his journey with Frank. He's the one watering the plants before he wanted to you know manage resources and and conserve every possible resource, but now he's finally bought around. So again, like we cover so much time and we cover so much space in this episode, but they, the moments that they decide and the the moments that they decide to focus on and the things they decide to show you really tell you exactly ex- what you need to know you know I thought that was really efficient storytelling um the fact that like frank's motor skills are degrading were kind of reminding me of cordyceps the fact that you know it fucks with your motor skills too uh i thought that was kind of intentional you see that his quality of life is deteriorating overall he's having trouble moving around he's not even really enjoying his food anymore you know compared to how much he was enjoying his meal in that first scene you now see how, how, how he's just not he, he can't even really enjoy his food um bill asks him if he's taking his pills he can't even open the bag so really you just see frank's quality of life has really taken a hit here i thought it was it was it was really it was really touching when um bill is feeding frank his meds he he names each pill he's like one orangey one little whitey and a big roundy and I thought that was so sweet. And it was a nice touch writing-wise because I, I don't know about you, bro, but I'm, I'm starting to have to do this myself where I have to create these little mental shortcuts and clues to help me remember shit. Like <laughs> the fact that he's like orangey, whitey, roundy, I have to do things like that and trick myself into remembering things. Um, so shout out to Mason again for like just super efficient, effective uh, story uh, writing and storytelling here. Um, you cut to the morning after. Frank's already out of bed. And Bill seems really surprised. Frank tells him that it's taking him all morning. So I guess this tells me that that Bill usually has to pull him out of bed, get him dressed, and everything. So just shows you how 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 uh, Frank's health is really deteriorating, where he can't even dress himself in the morning. He can't even bathe himself. Uh, to the point, if he does, he becomes exhausted. And basically, Frank says that this is going to be his last day. Um, they kind of argue about it. And the next scene in the living room, Bill says, you know, what if there's doctors, there's more medication. And Frank's like, I've had it. I've made up my mind. All I want you to do is, quote, just give me one more good day. I want you to make me some toast. Take me to the boutique. We're going to pick out outfits. We're going to get married. And you're going to make me a delicious dinner. So um, kind of just lays out what he wants. It seems like Frank's really given this some thought. Kind of lays out what he wants. Tells him, "Love me the way I want you to." Again, really, really poignant and um, affecting writing here. And then they deploy the cheat code. Bro, Max Richter's on the nature of daylight. That really emotionally devastating song that we've seen used in other um, movies and shows. It was uh, used in Shutter Island when when he's remembering like the memories of his family and what he, what happened after.
0: That's probably right. And then it's used. Most memorably an arrival
2: yeah. in the opening scene and the last scene. So most people oh, yeah. so Oh yeah. Maybe. Every time they use that song it's gonna you know that <laughs> you might you need to grab the tissue box. Um but I it's mean. the same composer who covered that that Where's My Mind uh cover, the Pixies, the one that I that I like that I used in our in our video, the fantasy video. Yeah. But that composer yeah. he, he you know, he writes his own music but he also covers songs too. So if you guys don't haven't listened to him, look him up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of people were saying like, it should be a cheat code to use that song just cause right away. It's so devastating. Um, we get like another little mini montage. They're walking through the town. Um, you see flashes of the paint. They go to the original, the, for the hole. they cut back to the hole. I thought that was really touching. And then you see them getting married. And like you mentioned earlier, this is even, I, I miss this, but this is even more touching and poignant because America had never legalized same-sex marriage at the time that, that before the outbreak happened. And, um, it's also, it's also interesting to know that since they're, that they're in Massachusetts and that's actually the first state to do, to legalize marriage in real life in 2004. So so fun fact there. They have dinner. It's the same dinner as the first, the same wine. Um, this time there is a difference. He's seated right next to him instead of a, all the way across from him. So, um, yeah, I don't have to talk. I won't get too much into this, uh, but Bill crushes up the pills. They both drink. Frank suspects that Bill kind of did the whole bottle, and, and Bill confirms that there's enough in, there's enough medication in there to kill a horse. He delivers the next lines. I'm old, I'm satisfied, and you were my purpose. Um, Just an all-timer line, right? <laughs>
0: well, if I start with I'm old, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it calls back to a, earlier when he sees the infected fall into his booby trap and he says it never gets old. Old is mentioned. The idea of old and things, the passage of time is kind of a running theme in the episode. He mentions getting older and that getting older is good. It means that we're still here. So you see old kind of as a running theme in the, in the episode.
0: Yeah, and it juxtaposes what he said earlier to Joel about being a survivalist. That's no longer his purpose. You know, his purpose was to just provide for Frank and make sure he enjoyed his last day. Yeah, but- so that's enough for him. Like, survival... His whole survivalist mentality is so far gone now. Like, he's like done a complete 180. Yeah, so. oh my
2: god, yeah. Because if he wanted to, he could continue to survive. He still survived. Yeah. Plenty of time well, he, without But him. he decides, yeah. no, it's not enough anymore.
0: Yeah, survival is not... His priority, anyway. Yeah.
2: Um, there's a line in, like a, a a very memorable line in Station Eleven, um, that sur- survival is in, in insufficient or something like that, where it's not a, like the idea of the people after it wasn't enough to survive. That's why they want to perform Shakespeare and do art and preserve art and the the museum of of uh, what was it called the the museum of human. Oh, um. I forgot, the,
0: but the traveling symphony yeah, has a whole purpose. The museum. Yeah, I, I think they had the sign on one of their their trucks or whatever that survival yeah. isn't sufficient. And then yeah.
2: the museum in the yeah museum civilization, civilization in the yeah. airport. I thought that was funny. Um. <sighs> Frank says, you know, I don't support this, but it is incredibly romantic. And then they laugh, and again, it's like they do a great job of breaking the tension when they need to and 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 messing with this isn't like a comedic moment but it does break that tension like people were you know following that you were my purpose line it's important to have like a little moment of levity here and you get that um you see that haunting image of them entering the bedroom and that's that's the last time we see them and thought that image is so kind of burned in my brain i mentioned it earlier in the episode that there's a lot of shots in here that are going to stay with me not because they're uh like visually or aesthetically stylish but because of what they mean emotionally
0: yeah i forgot what he says exactly but i wanted to point out he says something like like this isn't the tragic death or whatever at yeah, the end of the, the play suicide. and basically saying that like for like it it's okay to get emotional about this but like like what the, i think what the writers wanted to convey is like be emotional in, like, a good way. Like, like these people got to live out mm. their lives and they, had, they got a chance to mm. love, you know? It's not... Like, yeah, sure, it's, it may be... Um, but Like, yeah, death is always hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. But in this instance, like, for most people, if they had this option of death, I feel like most people would take it with open arms because this is, like, a good way to go out. Like, I know there's not a lot of good ways to go out, but in this instance, you know, it's, especially from a... This is fictional, so this is a good fictional example of a beautiful way to die. Oh, yeah, I guess. And like Yeah.
2: This is such a this is like the pinnacle of life to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. We're constantly struggling yeah. with being dissatisfied, whether where we're at our lives, whether we're at where we're at in our careers and our love lives or whatever. It's constantly a point of conflict in my life especially. I'm always trying to I have to try to be satisfied. It doesn't come easy. And the fact that it's that Frank has uh, uh, brought this to Bill, so he's brought satisfaction into his life for the first time. And I mean, that's all you can hope to wish for: is to grow old and to be satisfied. How many people could say at the end of their life, "I'm satisfied. I have no regrets. I've seen everything I wanted to see and experienced everything I wanted to." See. You know, it's the pinnacle of what you want in life.
0: Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like uh, they have the they had the advantage of the whole world stopping. And they were able to live in this super, you know, providing and nourishing bubble. And it, it made it even easier for them to realize what actually matters. Human yeah. connection, right? You know, in this fast-moving world that we live in where we're constantly looking for immediate validation and immediate satisfaction and productivity. Especially in American culture, like, like people are looked down upon if they aren't being pro, pro- productive in some type of way constantly and when all that stops they had like i said like i said like they had that advantage of
2: stepping like, back
0: it, it it was it was unfiltered or, or everything or it was filtered to to their benefit of realizing what actually yeah, there's matters. no distractions
2: anymore yeah Anyways. no distractions no internet <laughs> um i just want to point out that this is the second episode in which a character reclaims their power in, like, the face of of despair in their final moments, um, I just thought like it's not exactly a one to one with what happened to Tess, but the fact that in the face of all this these threats that are outside of the their, your control in this new world, that they're able to still maintain some sort of control over their their ultimate ending, their ultimate end and their fate, you know, um, what's it good for? Like, what's the purpose for for Frank and Bill is there's really it's just that the fact that they were able to live a, a full life like we were mentioning. But also it kind of serves to we kind of talked about this earlier. It serves to show Joel and Ally what what how valuable it is to maintain that fighting spirit and to carry it through on their journey and spread and try to spread it to other people the way Frank spread it on to Bill. And maybe if enough people realize this that that they'll have that they still do have power in this world, that maybe that could be uh, a way of saving us in a way. I think I, mean, I, I might be reaching, but I just felt like people reclaiming their power in this desperate, lost world it just kind of signals. It, it's kind of inspiring, and I'm sure Ally and Joel hopefully find it inspiring as they go on in their journey.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess uh, like the. F- like, the freedom, um, that, that is rewarded with human connection is, even in these circumstances, can still be really liberating, like, yeah, sure, you can make the argument, it can get you killed, it'll be dangerous and stuff, but there's still a lot of value there in terms of, like, the feeling it, it brings over you of, of, um, you know, loving someone and protecting them, and, Keeping them safe—it's like it's a liberating idea. It gives you a lot of freedom in the, in this world that doesn't, that is um that punishes you
2: yeah. in a lot of ways. Well said, bro. Um, finally, we're at present day. It seems like this is present present day. Joel and Allie pull up, so we're fine. We 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 kind of reunite with Joel and Allie. Joel's very suspicious. There's no one there at the gate to welcome him, but he knows the code. He go co- co- cracks it open. He sees that the flowers are dead, so he, right away he's put on. He's put on a high alert because um, the flowers are never dead. Uh, they walk into the house. Allie's like, what the fuck? I thought her response was funny. It's probably her first time seeing the inside of a normal house. She's probably only ever seen a house, like I said, the the way that it kind of reminds...
0: house that hasn't gone to shit or been overrun yeah. by fungus or trees and nature yeah it reminded me of the way frank yeah. was
2: looking around at, at that first dinner like it was the first time he'd been yeah. in the house and i'm probably since since the outbreak um and it's cool that we continue to see Allie experience all these things for the first time last week it was all the horrors of the world and this week it's all the beauty of of of, of the previous world um ally right away she finds the letter it's, it says to whomever but joel and there's a but probably joel Tomb whoever, but probably Joel. And there's a key. Joel doesn't want to read it. He tells her to read it. The date of the letter is August 29th, uh, 2023. Um, I thought that one of the funny parts of the letter is, uh, it's probably you, Joel. Anyone else would have been electrocuted or fallen into one of my traps. He, 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 he. Uh,
0: yeah, Bella Bell Ramsey's delivery with the <laughs> um bill laughs. Again, the show funny.
2: just does a really good yeah. job of balancing these, these tones. Um says I never liked you, but it's like we were friends almost, and that's probably the best you you're gonna get from Bill. Um, a couple of other things he he says in the letter. I used to hate the world, and I was happy when everyone died. Um, until I realized there was one person worth saving, and he kind of says, kind of uses this moment to inspire Joel to continue to push that forward. And he doesn't know Tess is dead, obviously, but he recognizes the he recognized a piece of himself in Joel. The fact that they're both kind of there to protect They're protectors. They're people who are there who are placed on earth to, um, I wonder if, um, Bill was like religious in a way because he kind of has like this, the way he talks about this is like, we all have a job to do. It kind of like reminds me of people who believe that everyone has a destiny or is meant to do something. Bill believed he was meant to protect and preserve frank and he's saying joel has that same responsibility that same gift he's a protector and he should use it and, and it's his responsibility to use it um he basically closes the letter with god help any motherfuckers that stand in our way um as ali's reading the letter she stops at Tess, but then we later see joel she can't bring herself to read it joel takes the letter and you see that it says keep keep Tess safe we find we finally see joel take the letter outside You think he's going to have a moment to break down, but he kind of just crushes it up. So, again, like, Joel isn't ready to give in to what's happening, but you see cracks. He's cracking a little bit.
0: That was, like, the biggest crack we've seen because he, like, holds his mouth and his face looks all fucked up. He doesn't cry. There's no audible or, like, crazy reaction, but it's definitely the biggest emotional. It's the most emotional we've seen him get this far. Since since Sarah
2: passed. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, since the world yeah. went to shit,
2: yeah. <laughs> Ali gives him a key. Joel goes down to the garage. He sees that there's a truck. He opens the battery. He sees that it's washed, basically, but then he goes to the fridge, and there's sulfuric acid, so that kind of ties back to the beginning, kind of kind of showing every little detail. The show is placed there on purpose. He smiles when he sees the sulfuric acid. He begins to charge the car battery. He goes back to the house. He He gets a new plan, he wants to see Ali, or Ali's arm. He sees that it's still healing. He, he hatches up this new plan. He says, Ali, I'll take you to Wyoming to find, you know, where my brother is. He'll, he knows the fire, he's in the fireflies. He'll probably know where to direct you for this lab and these doctors. He was, yeah. he was in uh, it. And he said he and might. he might know the yeah. people that, that she, she's supposed to get to. Yeah. Um, he lays out a couple ground rules. You don't bring up tests. You don't tell anyone about your condition and you do what I say and he asks her to repeat him back and rather than repeat all that she just she just says what you say goes and that that's good enough for him um so i like this little they have a little like moment of um uh they kind of level with each other and they have this little like m- moment of like okay we're going to do this let's go kind of kind of um, lays out what's to come ahead um they begin to mount up they're getting ready and then you see them going down into the bunker another funny moment Allie's like holy shit this guy was a genius <laughs> um <laughs> you see that the default 80s playlist was playing and it's because the, if the countdown wasn't manually, manually reset every few weeks it would default to this to this 80s playlist so that again the show creators are not going to let anything go untouched um it seems like they're going over every detail that explains there wasn't really trouble it was just the default playlist um that uh, Bill had set up in case, and I guess it would play if they passed, but they didn't get killed. They kind of went on their own terms, as, as we know. Um yeah, so they've been yeah. dead for weeks. Allie finds, you know, Seven. they go back upstairs. Allie's looking around. She finds a gun in, 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 Bill's, or in one of the bedrooms, and now she has a gun, so we'll see what that does. Um, she takes a shower. She tells Joel to take a shower. He comes out. He looks good. He looks pretty good. He cleans up nice. They, uh, she tells him, Well, don't you look pretty? He tells her, shut up. That's not how that's not how you return a compliment. Sounds sounds like you, bro, when we try to tell you how handsome you are. <laughs> uh they, they they climb into the S ten. She's in awe again. So every little thing, like Allie is not Ali is soaking it all in, you know. Uh she kind of compares it to like a spaceship. And uh the S 10, the Chevy S 10 catching strays here. Joel says it's a piece of shit, Chevy S 10. Well, S10 was a was a reliable truck bro like uh what why the hate i don't know maybe he's a he's a ford guy i guess uh oh, they had that really? little seatbelt moment kind of sweet he puts puts the seatbelt on her um and then they head off and right away like 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 a like a like uh a, a, a kid very much in her kid energy she starts messing around with the glove compartment uh she pulls out a tape and Seems like Joel wanted to drive in silence, but then once he realizes it's Linda Ronstadt, he's like, "Oh no, no, this is good." You know, I love that. Um, He says, "Oh man," as soon as the song starts to play, it's long, long time. He gets that nostalgia hit, and uh, we know what what happens. Like I, I I felt that when we were at the Jid concert the other night, and they were playing Good Kid, Mad uh, the Good Kid, Mad City songs and all that stuff. Yeah, nothing hits nostalgia like smells and music, right?
0: Yeah, but then you sit and think, like, damn, this song's already like. Eleven years old. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, it is kind of depressing, but it's also cool because it like, it makes you think like I was, around and at this age, when this shit dropped, yeah. you know, and like, kid kids who are born who are gonna be born, who aren't even born yet or aren't gonna be born for a while, are still gonna be listening yeah. to that shit. So that's yeah. cool thing. And then
2: uh, yeah, that's the episode. Oh, she says better than nothing. But she's not a huge fan, but she doesn't hate it. I think this is pulled from the game. That's better than nothing. Line. I keep. I kept hearing that that was pulled from the game. Um, yeah. So that was the episode brilliant. People are calling it an all timer. Um, I know we really, really. It was really affecting for us. Um, we can go over a couple of favorite moments. Um, for me, it's hard to call any of these moments like my favorite. You know, because they're also like pretty, like pretty um emotionally devastating. But um. The one where Bill is just asking Frank to love him the way he wants him to, that one really hits me more even so than the dinner scene. Um the garden scene is one of the most garden. affecting scenes. That's like the one scene we see them both happy and healthy, like every other time they're either like they're either like fighting or they're it's like the first introduction scene so they're not exactly healthy and they're not exactly happy yet, but this is like seemed like to be in like the prime of their relationship. So that scene was really touching to me um as far as character mvp i can't pick one obviously bill or frank it's a tie bro first tie of the season um as far as my favorite line uh i mentioned this earlier i was never afraid before you showed up that one hit me different um and yeah kind of like i mentioned the andor quote kind of just reminds me what it what it takes to love someone and, and and kind of the burden that you have to carry with that love. It's just really something I can relate to. I love my family so much. And with that comes a deep fear and concern, but that's, that's part of the deal. Right. And, um, it's not something you see constantly explored in media or movies and TV. You constantly see love as this like idyllic, like worry free thing, but no, it's hard. It's hard to love. Um, it's, it's a hard thing to carry through and, but it's all worth it as as this episode. It's very kind of life-affirming, this idea. Or this whole episode was very life-affirming in a show that kind of has been sort of bleak up, at, up until this point. Um, the shit.
0: Yeah, shit like this always reminds me of like, Into the Wild. I, I've never read the book. I was supposed to in school. I, I hated reading in school. But in the movie, um, one of the last things he says is, like basically life is meant to be shared. So you see it wasn't until like he's dying that he finally sees the importance and and like freedom and opening yourself up to people and and just loving and until you can't yeah. anymore, I guess. But um I like the comedic mm-hmm. parts honestly. Like like my favorite line was when they're arguing, the whole argument oh, I scene. Yeah. I love that scene and he was like and she he's like calling him out on his bullshit frank he's to bill 9-11 he to say he's like you think yeah you think 9 eleven's a, a hoax you live in a psychobunker bunker and you think nine eleven was a hoax it's and the government are all nazis he's like the government are all Nazis. <laughs> i forgot and, to mention that and and fucking frank is like yeah now but not then <laughs> yeah <laughs> that shit was funny and then i love the montage mm-hmm. scenes just seeing him like all happy and stuff was funny and I also really like the, um, the scene where they're getting raided by the raiders because of, like the way the traps were going off, and I like seeing Frank like um, bust into action. Like, and he goes downstairs yeah. grabs a gun, and he's just like, it was, like a one ass. shot. Yeah, it, it, it's just I like that because that one felt like a straight up from like like it, even though it's not in the game, it just felt like a moment from the game. Especially like the second yeah. game because there's so many moments in the second game because the second game takes place in Seattle. So it, like, rains mm. constantly. So, the um, like, the rain made me think of The Last of Us 2 and all that. But, um, yeah, and then I think my MVP was probably Frank. Like, because like everyone, like, I mentioned it before, not to sound snobby, but, you know, we've seen Nick Offerman yeah. get down. And a lot of people were fixated on that. But, like, I was more fixated on, on Murray Bartlett because my only real exposure to him, because I didn't see the first season of white lotus so my only real exposure to him has been a few episodes of um, mm-hmm. chippendales welcome to chippendales mm-hmm. on hulu which i thought was like okay you know and like a lot of, he he kind of shared the the role his like the main character role in that he wasn't really right. the main character in that so to see him at the forefront like this like yeah, he, hope, he got down He used easily. Yeah, i hope we see a lot
2: of more of him man he's so good yeah
0: he he'd be tying like a like a superhero role or something. I don't know. Like he'd be a fucking like even like a Magneto. He'd be down. He would get down his Magneto. I don't, don't want to. I don't know, know
2: if I want to see him reduced to that. But I, I mean, yeah. you can expand yeah. upon
0: it. You can make Magneto.
2: Pay. <laughs> Fuck it. Oh my god! You <laughs> want to see care. one star bombings? Yeah. You'll see real. You, I think you'll see real bombs if that happens. Um,
0: Who cares? <laughs> Or buy. Yeah, we can buy. People will be more. So, your favorite
2: that. line is, uh, <laughs> they were all Nazis. Yeah, then. Or, yeah, now, not then. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, that's just All right, funny. man. Well, as we wrap up, we'll just shout out some of the plugs that we mentioned here. I think we mentioned Ryan Airy from Screen Crush a couple times. Um, I also always like to shout out the R- Ringer Prestige TV with Van Lathan and Chuck Holmes. Mallory Rubin and Joanna Robinson also do a deep dive. My boy Dave Chen and, uh, on his uh, TV recap podcast, decoding TV, with he's got Christian Spicer. He gets get different hosts or different guest hosts on different shows for for this. He has Christian Spicer, who's kind of like a um a he's kind of like a Last of Us expert. He used to host the official Last of Us video game podcast. And then of course the the you you shout out the HBO official podcast, right? Oh, and then uh, any 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 others? Uh, heavy spoilers. I think no, you mentioned.
0: Nah, you covered. Oh yeah, heavy spoilers for sure. You covered most of them. I also wanted to say, uh, rest in peace to the original voice actor for Tess. Anna oh yes. that,
2: that yeah, that news broke like the day the episode aired. I think.
0: Yeah, it basically broke with the episode when yeah, well, well the episode yeah. was coming out. Rest so. in peace. Yeah, and, and then replaying, I'm I'm playing the 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 test section in the game right now, and replaying it, I was just like, damn, like she got down for as little as the, as. For as little as she is in the game like she's she really has like a she's like a really strong approach and then obviously comparing it to how they portrayed it in the game it it makes me like um see more in her performance and yeah like I know it's just mo cap and stuff, but like a lot of those actors they should be commended oh, just yeah. as much, especially considering the hours they have to they have to put in years for a project that's basically not even using mm-hmm. their real face, and that's like that shit's crazy at least with like animation you know that it's a couple hours in the booth every day but like to do it on a mocap stage and stuff i hope we do get to a point where we're able to to really commend those those people in in the way they deserve like we always say andy circus should have got an oscar by now and stuff like that but maybe someday someday i hope in um stunt actors as well they should get a lot more praise and oh yeah man a it's like a craft it's a very but, yeah.
2: specific craft yeah. That doesn't get um, enough attention, for sure. Um, all right, as we wrap up, I think that's it. Any other final thoughts? All right, Not man. That's to... it. It's great talking to you about this one. All-timer. You really um, brought up some interesting things I hadn't thought about. Um, really excited about the next episode. I didn't see the the next one, but... Um...
0: Yeah, we can speak on that a little bit. Don't spoil I mean... it for me, bro. I don't watch it, but... I mean, we
2: know Melanie Linsky's going to be in the
0: show. So I'm so so stoked to see what she's doing. I had that spoiled, like, her role.
2: She's like a, they said, ruthless leader of, like, a rebel group or something. I just
0: want to see her in this world because I really loved her in Yellow Jackets. And I feel like they're going to, I've never seen her play a character like this. I'm looking forward to see what she's able to do with it. And then just the, like, the whole, where they're going with the story. Because I finally feel like we're going to have a long stretch where it's just going to be Ali and Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're obviously going to run into other characters, but, um, I, I hope we're, we're entering that stretch where we're going to just be stuck with them for yeah. a while.
2: Yeah, it's really we yeah, we'll probably yeah. spend a lot of time with them, but, um, I'm sure that they'll have opportunities to flesh out the world and if it's through flashback or, uh, introducing new characters, maybe we'll check in with Marlene. I don't know. We'll see. The show is really yeah. kind of Said that it's not afraid to surprise you and switch it up on you at any given episode. The kind of I love when shows do that. Kind of Atlanta was known for doing that. Barry, yeah. and other other really great shows. They're not afraid to take these bold risks and departures from the primary storyline, and um and they always find their way back in really clever and impactful ways, and kind of make sure that the what they the story that they just told kind of strengthens the main theme of the story. And that's just great storytelling, great show running. What?
0: Well, yeah, well, yeah, I kind of alluded to it last week. I'm not trying to nitpick or anything, but I think it is important that they get they do that relationship justice because I feel like without it, some some parts of the story elements may may feel a little mm-hmm. half baked mm-hmm. and convoluted. So I do enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I I'm enjoying all the all the side stories and all that shit because it does enhance the story. As a whole, and the world as a whole, even even more so. But I just don't want the like the the end point of their relationship to feel kind of rushed or or um not as believable yeah. as it was in the game. Because in the game, you know, it 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 just comes so naturally, and it, you see it start from the very bottom and to to where it flourishes by the end of the game. It it, it, it earns it so much. So I want that same feeling. That's the only thing I really care about, like them well, getting well, right. Just that, that, that sense of the, it's not a spoiler, but like, yeah, like that sense of Joel, Joel getting to be a father, I guess, in a way, a father again. Well, I, guess, I think yeah. they're,
2: uh, they, they had a lot of growth in this episode. So, so yeah, they I'm did sure that'll sure. continue. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for ch- checking in and tuning in. Come back next week for our next breakdown. Remember your blessings and mind your business. Peace, God's.